does have it all. All of our pre-owned vehicles are Hubler Q certified, which include a 128-point vehicle inspection, a free Carfax vehicle history report, and two warranties. A two-year, 100,000-mile powertrain warranty and a 30-day, 1,000-mile comprehensive warranty. Visit any of our 13 locations today or click drivehubler.com. Happy Friday. Mark Dykton, what do you think Jake's doing? Oh, just looking for a headset, of course. I've been here since 545. I know. That's what's so sad. <laughs> I, was, I didn't know that whoever was in here last night that left the computer on took the headsets with them. Maybe, like, reverse the checklist? Headset before logging on to the oh, computer? Sorry, sorry, sorry. I was 12 seconds late to the program. <laughs> And I'm the one that yesterday is still catching heat for saying that they bring somebody out of the crowd to be a sacrificial jackass. I wasn't going to bring that up, but you dropped that. It's <laughs> not even 7.01. Good Friday morning to you, Kevin Bowen, Jay Query, and Mark Dykton, one of my favorite, I think, kind of 24-hour periods of the year leading into Indiana-Purdue. Uh, a whole lot to get to with that matchup coming up tomorrow. Both of the voices for their respective radio networks you will hear on our show today. That will be Don Fisher at 8.30. Rob Blackman at 9 o'clock. Jake, the Pacers back in action last night, and boy, for 45, 46 minutes, they were having the lead in control and then um, could not make the plays down the stretch. They lose 112-111, blowing a 15-point lead to LeBron and the Lakers. I thought it was so, to me, glaringly obvious what a difference Tyrese Halliburton makes to this team and that was a ton of fun man that was a great atmosphere I was fortunate enough to go to the game last night um my buddy Billy Lewis bingo card for you guys Billy G56 That's right. Billy Lewis <laughs> about midway through the third quarter he was like dude Halliburton is really good I'm like I know man I mean it makes it he looked at times he looked like the Harlem Globetrotters out there with the he's always a step ahead totally but I'll tell you what and I am someone who typically favors the past more than the present, just by human nature. And I've always known this, and I've said it from time to time, but last night to me, I really watched it. Up, like, I, I don't know, I paid a more specific attention, I think. LeBron James is the greatest basketball player on earth still. And probably is the greatest player of all time. I, he played off late in the game. I was like, he's playing center. Anthony Davis was on the floor and LeBron, they were running their entire offense through LeBron James on the low post, posting up and then facilitating from there. Everything runs through him. His court vision, Larry Bird had amazing court vision. Not like that. I'm telling you, his court vision and his anticipation, he is Wayne Gretzky on hardwood. And he was the difference. I know that people will say, well, he only had 25 or whatever it was. I, he, he was involved in every late score that Los Angeles had. Yeah, zero denying of LeBron's greatness or what he did last night. I thought Anthony Davis was better than him. I, I thought Davis made plays that kept them in it. I would agree. During but, some shaky moments. But it's facilitated so much by LeBron. I'm- sure, sure. That is that is a good point. Um, he's an extraordinary <clears throat> talent. You know, I, But it was a great game. It was a great game and a great atmosphere. And, and again, Jake, 
I know no one wants to hear it, and it's LeBron, and you had lost 10 of 11, and your all-star was back, and he played like an all-star for certainly the first three quarters, and a lot of people don't want the competitive, entertaining loss, but again, that qualifies as one, and I think as you reach early February, that's where the season is trending. Um, And I I know there's probably a, a much larger chunk of the fan base that doesn't want to hear that, here in 2023, that was content with it last year. Right. Um, for all the reasons that I just listed. I The fourth quarter last night, I guess, let's go post-game. That's the most I've heard Rick Carlisle and Tyrese Halliburton complain about officiating, really ever. Certainly Halliburton and Carlisle as well. Um, the discrepancy is certainly eye-popping. 16 free throws for the Lakers, none for the Pacers in the fourth quarter. What I didn't hear post game was Indiana shot four four field goal attempts in the paint in the fourth quarter. They ended the game with forty one three point attempts. The Lakers had twenty two. Your best attacker in getting to the foul line, Benedict Matherin, plays a season low in minutes. I don't. Did he play in the fourth quarter? He definitely. Yeah. Did, he, he definitely didn't play like in the final. He had a silent game for sure. Ten minutes. And I just thought from the first few minutes of the fourth quarter, the Lakers just bully balled, got in the paint, and they were committed to getting to the rim, knowing Indiana plays small. And I thought that was a bigger difference than the Lakers got a Laker whistle and Indiana got an Indiana whistle. Yeah, that's fair. I I think Los Angeles, and again, I don't want to belabor the point or be, because I get it I totally understand what people feel about LeBron James I get it although I'll tell you what I didn't realize how many Laker fans were in the building until late in the game when LA started hitting shots there are a few but, more pups than, than I boy, thought would be in there yeah a lot but um but I do think that their half court execution down the stretch and you're right Anthony Davis is a tremendous talent as well but those two guys they're just their ability to facilitate everybody on the floor, the cohesiveness they had. I'm not saying it's that way all the time for them, but last night it was late in the game. And Patrick Beverly is, he's like Woody Woodpecker. He's an instigator, right? He certainly is, but he's a pretty good defender. He and is. I thought Halliburton, admittedly, had some struggles in the fourth quarter, a 4 of 13 from behind the arc. But to your earlier point, Jake, oh my gosh, he just does so much for you. Oh, it's unbelievable. I mean, he is, if if you are literally, and I said this before he got hurt, take the acronym, most valuable player to his team. You can't name me more than five guys more valuable to his team in the NBA than Tyrese Halliburton. He is an all, all-star that was announced just before tip last night. Buddy Heald in the three-point contest. That's going to be a busy weekend out in Salt Lake City for the Pacers. Benedict Mather and Andrew Nimhard in the Rising Stars game. Buddy Heald, who won the three-point contest, I think, a couple of years ago. Um, He will be in it. And then, of course, Halliburton in the game. And, Jake, I think that's pretty cool that, you know, for the next 12 months, Tyrese Halliburton can be an all-star and think about being an all-star in his home city next February. Yeah, and I think that it, hopefully, and, and, you know, it kind of starts something, right? Not that he needed motivation, but... um, that it cements for him that he is an elite-level player and that you just go from here. You know, Indiana has the fan base, the franchise. You know, they've been longing for 
the guy that can be the centerpiece to build around. And many thought it was going to be Paul George. Many thought it was going to be Victor Oladipo. Many thought it was going to be Jermaine O'Neal. Now it's Tyrese Halliburton's turn to see what he can do with that potential label. Be the Kings tonight, a back-to-back for Indiana. No back-to-back for Sacramento. They will not have De'Aaron Fox, though. Arguably their best player um, out due to personal reasons, I believe. Uh, De'Aaron's wife is pregnant, so good luck to them with that. But DeMontis Sabonis, his first game back inside of Gamebridge Fieldhouse. I thought I saw Sacramento was favored by a few in that one. Again, no back-to-back for them. Back-to-back for Indiana. Then coming up, the Cavs on Sunday. Um, my understanding is, and this is fun, I don't know if it's tonight or Sunday against Cleveland at the Pacers game, uh, but at halftime, the and this is fun, this is something, last night at halftime they brought out this guy. Uh, quick that, change? What's that? Quick change? Quick change. Well, you know, half a quick change is no longer with us. I thought they made a quick transition to the next one. A quick change? Yeah. <laughs> but that would make sense, right? Simon says. Um, no, this fella I was not familiar with, but he he came out with a stack of chairs. Oh, is it that guy? The older gentleman? Correct. Yeah, he and always rattles me. He started stacking the chairs up, and we're like, come on. And then privately, you're kind of hoping to see them all crumble to see what would happen because there's no mat down there. You're like, what happens in that yeah, circumstance? I, I don't know. Mark, you have a, a peculiar lot. They dim the lights face. and then they're like, everybody go get a concession. <laughs> we'll so, delay the game by two minutes. So he he stacks these things up. He's like 30 feet in the air. And and we're I'm mockingly like, yeah, come on, man. I mean, you got to do So what? So you can stack chairs and stand on the top of them. Great. Well, then at the very end, he does a headstand on them. Oh. And it's... <laughs> It's like, okay, well, that's... So my know. understanding is since they've used him now and Quick Change is uh, you know, rehearsing their new partner, that halftime of the game, and I can't remember if it was tonight or Sunday that I heard this, but um, quick round interviews for the Colts. Oh. They're, they're just they're setting okay. up a little like table. Like Batser style? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's going to be like the fat, the speed dating. Mm-hmm. They just, you come in, you sit down. Would you like to be the head coach? What are your qualifications? What sort of offense would you like to run? Do you have coordinators? Okay, thank you. And you guys got a stack person. of chairs. I'm going to show you something wild. Mm-hmm. Yeah, can you guys throw? Can you guys do the Allegiant toss from the upper deck down to the uh, That's right. blue trash bin like like blue can do? Uh, yeah. Third round, Jake. Uh, does this mean that Jim Mercer is letting Chris Ballard run the show? Does this amount of patience mean that Chris Ballard is leading the charge here and Jim Mercer is going to listen to him. If Jim Mercer wanted Jeff Saturday, wouldn't he just hire him? I want to to not sound uh, I'm totally cynical here because they have. I mean, in the end, they're going to hire a coach, and and we'll forget about the process. But what can you learn that you? Don't already know by now. Yeah, that's probably more of my curiosity. Um, honestly, the only issue, well, I guess there's two issues you could look at with how long the Colts are taking here. One, and again, this is probably my biggest question, are you losing assistant coaches to other staffs? I think that's a very real question that you'd have to ask. Two, and this doesn't really matter, but it's just testing all of our patience. And again, who really cares about that? The end-all, be-all. But Jake, to your point, I'm more worried about like, or not worried, more curious. What the hell do you talk about in round three? That's what I mean. I mean, I, it was yeah. 12 hours in round two. 
It's not like you're bringing the candidates side by side. And what are you talking about for 12 hours anyway? Well, again, I think 12 hours is a bit overblown. I think it's a lot uh, this of... This is... Dinners, lunch, breakfast, etc. You're meeting with different people within the building. It's not just Ballard, Ursay, Pete Ward, Carly Ursay, and Brian Decker, and they're just chatting for 12 straight hours about, and all right, third and seven, what are you running here? To be fair, Kevin, I want to make sure that I, I offer this disclaimer. I am well aware of the fact that scrutinizing the length of this process is unfair and hypocritical. Because if they had hired somebody in a week, we would be sitting here talking about how they didn't take long enough through the process. Again, learning from 2018 when, admittedly, they rushed into Josh McDaniels. However, there, there comes a point where you start to ask yourself, are you overthinking it? You know, if there are two or three guys, sometimes it is, sometimes your intuition is correct. And I think that maybe Chris Ballard is a little bit hesitant on his intuition. And I get it. I understand it. He's got to make sure that he doesn't. Chris Ballard has been here for, what, six seasons? Yes, yeah, his seventh offseason. And he has had, what, <coughs> he has had two coaches, one hire, and one interim, right? Is that right? Well, do you count McDaniels? That's what I mean. Pagano, McDaniels, Reich, and Saturday, so four. Right, two coaches, Pagano and Reich, that he didn't hire. One hire, McDaniels, and one interim. I, I Yeah, yeah. He, he was in charge of one of those, and you saw what happened. So I understand the thoroughness and the caution. I, I respect it. But at the same time, I think at some point you, you, you can start to psych yourself out of what is the obvious. And if there is a guy that had, and maybe nobody did, maybe maybe nobody jumped out, but for for someone who had said that you you now cannot go into these things with a definitive end, what was the wording that he used? Yeah, no end in sight. Correct. Sometimes when you go into that, you psych yourself out of the obvious end, and you just avoid going with what. Is the and I don't know, but I would think that like a Raheem Morris or you know whether Basaccia, whoever it might be, if somebody jumped out and you're like, you know what, I really like that guy. Are you in, are you unintentionally psyching yourself out of it because of the past? I, I don't know, but I am curious what does happen in a third interview that that you possibly couldn't already know. You know, unless something happens here in the next forty eight hours, and reportedly Shane Steichen. The Colts are heading to Philadelphia to interview him tomorrow, so it seems rather unlikely anything would happen based off that. Eagles offense coordinator there calls the plays for Philadelphia. Actually, it comes from a little bit of a Frank Wright coaching tree. Uh, Jake, this is going to happen after the Super Bowl. The NFL really, really, really does not want teams to make news during Super Bowl week. They are thrilled that Tom Brady made that announcement a few days ago. Right. Um, so that is something to keep in mind. And then once Sunday gets here, you can't talk to Shane Steichen and or Eric Bieniemy again until after the Super Bowl. How about this? Let me let me read you two texts I just got. This one from Riley. Everybody needs to just chill. Literally every other career field has this many rounds of interviews. Hell, Lily takes like four months. <laughs> it's probably true. What about this one? 
Jake, I think the Eagles OC got the job already and doesn't want it announced till after the Super Bowl. Well, he, he's yet to have his second round interview. Right. Um, I would think there would be some thought to that if indeed they do view him in that light. Again, I, I really have no issue with the Colts taking as long as they are. Um, and part of this is the Colts problem, Jake. But anything they do is going to be scrutinized right now to the nth degree. And that's what happens when your franchise has the amount of dysfunction that it had over the last 12 months. No matter what they do, to your point, if they would have made a hire in the first eight days, or if they would have, now they're making a hire into mid-February, which is what Ballard said all along. Um, and it's not like you're losing out on like time with your players. When you hire a new coach, you start OTAs two weeks earlier than everybody else in the NFL. So the Colts will start OTAs in early April, just like Denver will. Just like Arizona will, Carolina, etc. So it's not like they're missing out on anything on that end. <laughs> this from Mark, Mark Kahn, by the way, not Mark. Not, not our Mark? Correct. Jake, they had the chair guy perform a couple years ago. The emotional roller coaster that me and my sister went through at the game was insane. Seriously. I have <laughs> audible thought, gas when, when he goes. We thought we were going to watch him die right in front of us. It, I mean, I look down, I'm like, there's no mat down there. There has to be something that I'm missing with that. Yeah, From like a liability standpoint? Like, is he Velcro to a chair? Will he just <laughs> dangle in the air if he starts to fall? I, I is don't know, man. Is there a string man. from up there's the a Boomer's guy, catwalk? There's a guy standing there, and he's wearing a Pacers shirt. I think it's just some guy they pulled out of the crowd. Like, hey, you want to... You know, like in gym class when you were in high school, and you had to... Do they even do the rope anymore in gym class? No. Oh, you had I, the one person that had to lay at the bottom uh, and like boy, stabilize the that rope? That sounds like a major what? liability issue. Lay down? Don't, no, no, hold on. Back in the day, did you guys have the rope in gym class? Oh, yeah, we had the rope, and then no one was ever underneath us in case someone fell. That'd be yeah, a disaster. Yeah, no. The rope, so the you have the rope, and then at the top had the disc, right? And you mm-hmm. had to go up and like hit the disc. That was the goal. While one person climbed the rope, whoever was next, you, you had to lay at the bottom and hold onto the rope to keep it, to, to stabilize it, so that it wasn't swinging back and forth. As a matter of fact, on Seinfeld... We did not have that. On Seinfeld... It is mentioned, Mark. I only say this to reference a 30-year-old show because you watch the show as well. Uh-huh. It is referenced when someone asks George and Jerry how they met. The story is told that Jerry was climbing the rope and or, and one of them was climbing, the other was spotting, and they he fell on top of the other one. That's how they met in gym class. That's the danger of it, I would think. But I wonder if that's what that guy was there. Like, is there somebody there just to catch the dude if he falls off the chairs? He looks old, too. He's 64. They mentioned he's like the oldest halftime show, um, the the oldest individual that does a halftime show, which I, I question that because that YMCA fella, Chris, has been doing it for like 30 years, so he's got to be up there as well. Be a 4 o'clock tip tomorrow in Assembly Hall, Indiana and Purdue. Purdue, of course, has not lost on the road all year. A red out in Bloomington. You think back to last year's matchups, Jake, they both were really good games. You know, we've talked about it this week, what Robert Finnessy did in the first half in the meeting in Bloomington, you know, is, is kind of what this rivalry is all about. You know, you forget a little bit. Trace Jackson Davis got into early foul trouble in that matchup, only played 11 minutes. Um, and then in the meeting in Purdue, Purdue won uh, one by two. I think the concern for each team 
outside of how you defend the big would be this. Indiana has shot it incredible inside of Assembly Hall the last two times they were in there. They just look like a different team, frankly, um, against Michigan State and against Ohio State and how well they've shot it. And then if you're Indiana, you look at Purdue's supporting cast right now. How about this for Purdue? Jake, Purdue has four guys that come off their bench that have all scored at least 24 points in a game in their career. That's kind of wild. The like Purdue's supporting cast is now a little bit more consistent. Correct. A variety of guys. And I think those are the sorts of thoughts that both Matt Painter, considering, again, you're playing Indiana in Assembly Hall where they've shot it great, and for Mike Woodson's case of, all right, are we just going to double the big every time down the floor and make the others beat us, or are you going to try to single team against those guys and defend the three-pointer? We we talked about that yesterday, Kevin, and the fact that it, it feels like Purdue at this point each guy has had their turn or their game to 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 get comfortable with being in the moment. Does that make sense? Yeah. In other words, and with Indiana, the, the difference between Purdue and Indiana to me is this, and I'll probably say this 10 times this morning. Both of them have elite-level players that you know exactly what you're going to get out of them virtually every game because they're almost unstoppable offensively. <laughs> Zach Eady, obviously, and Trey Jackson Davis. The difference between Purdue and Indiana has been that Purdue has more reliable and a greater depth of players that could step up to be the second guy or the primary guy on an off night of Edie. If that, in the rare event that happens. Whereas Indiana, you kind of never know where it's going to come from, right? Like if I said to you as a Purdue fan, okay, Zach Edie's going to have an off night, but Fletcher Lawyer's going to have 19, you'd go, yeah, I could see that. Or, but Caleb first is going to have 19. You'd go, okay, I could see that. Or, you know, Mason Gillis. Whereas with Indiana, you you run, if you say, Trace Jackson Davis is going to have an off night, but Tamar Bates is going to have 19. You go, yeah, is he? But inside of the building, the Tamar Bates going for 19 is much more likely. That is a fair statement. Than Same with Jalen hood Shafino, right? No um, question. I think Ethan Morton on Jalen hood Shafino is a huge, huge matchup. To watch, Ethan it's, Morton sounds like a law firm or an insurance company, doesn't it? Doesn't it sound like an yeah. insurance agency? It kind of looks like he would be uh, running a law firm <laughs> one day. Uh, Trace Jackson Davis in his career against Purdue, uh, no double doubles. Now again, limited to eleven minutes in that first meeting last season. Um, he fully expects he was on with John yesterday. Fully expects the double team to be there uh, for him. Tomorrow, and again, the Zach Eady foul trouble. You know, we're going to have Rob Blackman on a little bit later. Jake, if I listed Zach Eady's ability to play the amount of minutes he plays at the level he plays, if I gave you the ability to play those minutes and not foul, or if I gave you his decision-making and passing, what impresses you the most about him? I think his ability to not foul because that's legitimate. I mean, not that the other isn't, but I'm saying I think there are a lot of people that say, "Well, so and so doesn't get a lot of fouls because they get all the calls." I, he he is Tim Duncan like in that regard. Tim Duncan to me, I remember when Tim Duncan came out of Wake Forest and I said, "He's not going to be a great pro. He's too robotic." Well, obviously, one the, of the fundamental, seven, correct. But he that's how Zach Eady is. He is so fundamental in the way that he 
moves his body, to me, that's the most impressive thing. He um, has only had four games this year of more than two fouls. One of his rare games that he had somewhat... That's of, unbelievably valuable. Oh, it's unbelievably valuable. Uh, one of the games where he was in somewhat of foul trouble, not a ton, was Rutgers, and that, of course, was the one loss. I do think, you know, Fletcher Lawyer and Braden Smith, I mean, they are freshmen, you know, when they flash up the rosters tomorrow or the starting lineups tomorrow, uh, but they have handled everything thrown at them so well this is kind of the next step. Two Indiana kids for Braden Smith probably means a little bit more than Fletcher Lawyer. Um, but now this is kind of the next environment, the next atmosphere. And it, it's going to be awesome tomorrow. I can't wait. I, I'm i going to do my Twitter poll today of which player is your least favorite. On the current roster or just in, All time. in the history of the series? So in the past when I've done that and I've said which player is your favorite, you know, like I said yesterday, Calvert Chaney gets a lot of votes from Purdue fans. Um, Robbie Hummel gets a lot of votes from Indiana fans about Purdue players. Troy Lewis has gotten a lot. You know, there are, I think a lot of IU players my or IU fans, myself included, I, lo- I thought Troy Lewis was just a tremendous player. And I, and I enjoyed watching him play. Um, so I want to know least favorite. It, it, this seems like it has obvious answers, doesn't it? Yeah, there there are certainly a few that would stick out. Will Sheehy, didn't he do a muscle flex against Purdue? I think right right in front of the paint crew, if I remember correctly. <laughs> yeah. I'll bet you he's going to be the runaway winner. But, I mean, Steve Scheffler, Craig Riley, like there were a lot of Purdue guys that, because you respected the heck out of them, you didn't like sure. them. You well, know? I mean, honestly, the tougher... That person plays Correct. the more the opposing I mean, fan base. Brian Cardinal ugh. hates them. Great yeah, dude it, it, too. Probably, Great guy. probably the more like extracurricular activities you're wearing on your body in Cardinal's case, uh, that probably Correct. adds to it. Again, number one Purdue, number twenty one Indiana. It is the first time since nineteen ninety four we've had ranked teams with one of them being in the top ten. So very rare. Twenty sixteen, the last time. Both were ranked, and before that, Jake, 2008. You got to go back to Samson on the sidelines. Yeah, boy. Before that. No thanks. No thanks. I've got some IU people that say firing Samson was the worst thing that the program did over the last few decades. They should have wrote out the sanctions, and and they'd be winning. I I get it. Um, I I think it's a pretty compelling argument. No denying the the winning, right? There is no denying that he is a great basketball coach. Did they win last night? No denying that he is a great basketball coach. However, um, he was just an arrogant jerk from the time he got there. I I realize, you know, whatever, who who cares, but... Uh, I do actually, and he was yes. They won seventy to sixty one over Wichita State. Speaking of Wichita State, you remember when uh, Greg Marshall, their coach, was like the hottest coach out there? Yeah, didn't his wife kind of get into it with some people over at Gamebridge yeah, Fieldhouse she, uh, in the tournament game? She got in the cups a little bit, I think. And there were rumors of him having some disciplinary issues at Wichita State. I, I just think it's fascinating that he, first off, that that Wichita State would terminate you, and that I don't know where he is since. He just kind of disappeared. Um, but that's one of the games in college basketball, perhaps, that we'll get to in the check down. And then we've got a stacked show, right, Kev? We do. Greg Rakestraw, <clears throat> excuse me, every Friday at 8 o'clock. And then, as we said, the voices of both the Hoosiers and the Boilers. Don Fisher, 8.30. Rob Blackman 
at nine o'clock. Good Friday morning to Good Friday morning to you. Looks like another nice start. We've had a couple of nice starts here each morning this week. Um, I think it's supposed to be chilly today, but uh, no precipitation in the forecast. Kevin Bowe, Jake Quarry, Mark Dykton, 93.5-107.5, The Fan. All right, we'll begin with a little college basketball, the state scoreboard from last night. IUPUI is 72-69 short end against Milwaukee. That would have been a nice one for the Jags to get because they're 3-21 and overall. Milwaukee now 16-7. and Purdue Fort Wayne, what was that, Mark? Three and twenty one. Jeez. The the short end for the Jags that seems to be kind of a common I know occurrence. Well that's I mean, they got really close. That's what Mark, were you not aware they were three and twenty one? I didn't realize it was that bad. I knew it was bad. I didn't know for like four weeks. What have you been doing? That's when I zone out usually. (laughs) Tennessee State eighty seventy (laughs) six over Southern Indiana. Uh, both those teams thirteen and eleven and Purdue Fort Wayne eighty two seventy three over Oakland. Those are three kind of obscure games in the state, but that's simply because we were uh, holding off on getting to the NBA news from last night. Uh, 112-111. The Lakers beat the Pacers over at Gamebridge Fieldhouse. 15-point lead for Indiana, I think deep into the third quarter there. And just a really an ugly final frame. The Lakers got into the paint at will, got to the rim, got to the foul line, and a whole lot of settling from the Pacers. Tyrese Halliburton was back in the lineup 26-14, and 14. he was outstanding, uh, really until the fourth quarter, and those are his words, 4-13 in the final quarter there. Buddy Heald missed an off-balance shot at the buzzer. That would have been for the win. Tough shot from the baseline, almost behind the backboard, really. Uh, here was Rick Carlisle afterwards, not too happy about the free-throw discrepancy. Fourth quarter, I mean, I'm not sure what to say about that. I've never seen a 16 nothing free-throw discrepancy in the fourth quarter of an NBA game ever. I, you know, we were disappointed. You know, I'm telling you, a lot of that is or or was, I thought, Los Angeles' offensive efficiency. I thought it was aggressiveness by the Lakers and lack of aggression by Indiana. Yeah, that's fair. More than anything. Four shots in the paint for Indiana in the fourth quarter and your best free throw uh, getter, if that is even a word is on the bench, and Benedict Matherin. So I'm sure maybe a little bit of a whistle there, but I think the majority of that was just the Lakers committed to trying something differently. And they did that and getting back in the game and winning the Kings tonight for the Pacers. No De'Aaron Fox in that one. Uh, But DeMontis Sabonis, all-star DeMontis Sabonis, correct? That's right. Him and Halliburton both. Uh, They named Halliburton just before tip last night as uh, the all-star. Meanwhile... Colts now into their third round of interviews, reportedly. Do we know yet, Kevin, and pardon me for putting you on the spot there, mm-hmm. uh, who exactly those third interviews may be? Yeah, I think they're bringing in Kevin McCarthy. Um, do a little Speaker of the House That's action, right. you know, for uh, for a tenth time there. That's right. Um, uh, we do not. No, they actually haven't even finished round two. They, they believe now they have the votes, right? Sure, yeah. Uh, and the big guy, I don't know, is this Jim Mercer wanting to hear from these people more? Did Jim Mercer talk too much in the round two interviews? So that's why they got to go round three. Do you think one of? Do you think somebody came in, sat down, and said, um, "Well, before we begin, I just wanted to ask." So, Mister Ursay, I heard you like music. Well, let me bring out my guitar. Hour interview yesterday. Well, have you seen the Jim Mercer band? Here we go. Here's a six-hour concert. You no, know, I mean started. I called up Millsy and the guys, you know, and and you know, I never forget Joplin the way she used to play. Yeah, that's how the interview went. Uh, Shane Steichen is reportedly the, well, I 
shouldn't say final yet, but he is still yet to interview for a second time. Of course, the Eagles head out to Arizona for the Super Bowl coming up on Sunday, so it sounds like that will be tomorrow, the Colts interviewing the Eagles offensive coordinator, who has a pretty nice quarterback resume as well. Stop the interview. Someone get me my harmonica. <laughs> Here's my partner. Let's strum a few tunes. You know, to be fair, these are the rare errors of head coaching interviews in NFL history. That's true. That's the upper true. quartiles of them. Well, they are now getting into the like what it were in the third quartile, right? Right. So Mark that means dial up some quartile. audio there. I know. If I could, I would. Uh, Indiana and Purdue. That matchup four o'clock on Saturday. Each voice: Don Fisher, Rob Blackman. You'll hear from them on today's show. We'll dive more into tomorrow's matchup coming up next. Here, Kevin and Corey. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. It's like another really nice start to the morning here, although it's going to be a chilly one, uh, but it looks like good weather tonight. I know girls basketball sectionals, boys wrestling and regionals last night, a lot of boys basketball games with the girls kind of taking center stage here Friday and Saturday with their sectional lineup. Greg Gregstraw going to join us in about 15 minutes. Don Fisher at 8.30, Rob Blackman at 9 o'clock. Uh, Jake, when you get into these matchups... Um, and this will be really unlike probably anything anybody on Indiana or Purdue has seen in their collegiate careers. Do you think starting experience matters tomorrow? Conventional wisdom would say, you know, I would say it does and for the following reason. Because of the fact that the team that has the lesser experienced backcourt is the one that's going to be on the road however they are both guys and i'm talking about purdue that grew up in the state of indiana so they're well aware of the rivalry i do think that there are some players that come in and i'm not trying to sound overly you know like provincial or homerish here but I think if you grow up outside of Indiana, sometimes you don't totally understand yeah. the grasp of the rivalry and, and the the heated nature of it. And to be fair, Fletcher Lawyer did move into the state what his sophomore year of high school. Yeah, but, but I mean, even then, you're around. Certainly, him, right? he has a grasp. He, he's in the state um, of Michigan, and so I think that you can anticipate the fervor and the energy that takes place in in a game of that kind of a rivalry. But until you go out there, you don't totally grasp it. Um, but they're really good players, I, you know. So does that come into play? Maybe a little in the beginning, but I think once you kind of get out there, 
and the flow of the game gets going. I think one of the things, Kevin, that always, to me, was fascinating was, and this has always been the case in sports. I mean, you've seen it. You've been in the Colts locker room. You've you've been in the building. Oftentimes, in terms of the emotion of rivalries, oftentimes it is much bigger and much more nerve-wracking to fans than it is the players. You know, we think, you, you look out there on the floor and you think like, oh man, I, I can't stand that guy, you know, whoever it might be. I mean, I, in my college years, it was for, you know, produced players at that time, aside from Glenn Robinson, you know, Brandon Brantley and Matt Painter and Matt Waddell. And I didn't like those guys because I, I went to Indiana. And then, you know, I find out through guys I knew that played for Indiana, they're like, oh, man, they're great dudes. Like, they're, they're great guys. We played AAU together and we hang, you know, and you're like, really? It's almost, it's almost like disappointment. It was like looking behind the curtain. But still, so I don't know that like the the blood boiling in terms of an angst is there for players, but I still think when you go out there and that energy in those two respective buildings, you have oh, to you, feel it. You can't right? ignore it. Right. Yeah, I mean, it's unlike anything you've had. I thought Rayfield Davis explained that to us really well yesterday and of course his family history with his sisters being indiana grads you know that probably added more to it for him yeah i'm curious like if when you look at indiana and purdue jake indiana starting lineup you know you've got what probably nearly 200 more starts than purdue starters but conversely what purdue has that indiana doesn't is purdue's got the indiana flavor if you look at Purdue's rotation, i mean probably over half of them are indiana kids whereas you look at iu's rotation and you know what? It's Trace and Trey Galloway. So, is that stuff overblown? Eh, probably. But those are all things that you think about. I, I would not, if I were Indiana, I would not put Trace Jackson Davis on Zach Eady to start the game. I, I'd put Race Thompson. I would agree with that. And I would double with Trace. Um, keep him out of foul trouble. Um, you know, kind of be that second defender. Let him kind of use his length. You know, Trace is taller, of course, a little bit bigger than Race. But I thought last year, you you survived, you know, Trace Jackson Davis getting into foul trouble. That's not a game that you want to play again. Do you remember Indiana had a shooting guard named Matt Roth? Oh, yeah. Same same age as me, uh-huh. So Matt Roth... He was a Samson commit. And he was basically Tom Creaned, right? It was like, hey, you know what? We're over on scholarships. And I realize scholarships are one-year contracts. But he was, he was basically told, like, hey, you're going to transfer this year. And so he did. Um, and you didn't think much of it until was that the Syracuse zone? Yeah, year until they went up against Syracuse, who's only played a zone actually. Like George Washington was impressed by Syracuse's zone defense. <laughs> yeah, Jim Beheim was yelling at student reporters when George Washington. That's was right. Too. And Tom Crean, who came out of the Big East, was completely befuddled and thrown off by this shocking zone that Syracuse threw at him. Um, even though Indiana fans were like that's the same defense they ran in '87. But they didn't have Matt Roth to break that zone, and people were like, that's the one time they could have used Matt Roth. I say that to say Michael Durr, who was a seven-foot body for Indiana, and I didn't think a terrible player, who transferred. He's now at Central Florida, I think. This is the one game where it'd be nice to have him, right? Well, he was important last year. Right. Um, if I remember correctly, Trayvon Williams really struggled in this game in Bloomington. Um, I thought I think Mason Gillis had a... Had a nice night there. Obviously, Fennessey was the story of the game. But, um, yeah, he, he would be a body in this one. Obviously, he's much taller, bigger than Malik Renew. 
Um, what do you think the the line will be when it comes out? I still say Indiana two and a half. Indiana favored by two and a half. Yeah. Which basically means it's. A, I mean, it wouldn't be a pushing game because Purdue's the better team than Indiana. Mark, can you season. can you try and find it? I, I'm I looking right now. I haven't yeah, seen anything know. yet. Typically, I think they wait a little bit closer to about 24 hours until tip with that one. Uh, yeah, I saw. I think ESPN had it like Indiana 52 percent chance to win. Purdue, I don't know, 47, 48. I think it'll be right around two points either way in terms of. The, the line in this one. It is interesting to note, you look at Indiana's conference schedule the rest of the way, it's it's loaded. Yes, Indiana has played a... F- Indiana has... They are just now getting into... That's their problem, right? Not problem, but the challenge is they're just now getting in really to the thick of their conference schedule. We got nine conference games to go. They don't play anybody in the bottom four of the Big Ten again. If you look ahead to next week, it's Rutgers for them on Tuesday. So that rematch at Assembly Hall, of course, and then they've got Michigan a week from uh I just had from Saturday. this conversation yesterday. Whether you're Indiana or Purdue, I think both fan bases that are listening can can agree with this. Whether you're Indiana or Purdue, when you lose to Rutgers, you're like, what? Like, I, we can't lose to Rutgers. Rutgers? Then you look at it and you're like, you know... Rutgers pretty good, fifteen and seven overall, but they're third in the league. And then it dawned on me, Kevin. I'm like, is this what fans of like Michigan State felt like when either Indiana or Purdue has beaten them in football the last few years? <laughs> like you can't lose to Indiana. Yeah. Well, they're not. You know, they're 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 ranked ninth. You know, a couple years ago, and they're going to a bowl game. Yeah, but it's Indiana. It's kind of the same way with Rutgers. Steve right? Michael's done a hell of a job. A hell of a job at. Ru- I mean, they might be the second best team in the Big Ten. Yeah, this season, and they lost Ron Harper Jr. I mean, that was a big, big loss. Uh, did they lose Geo Baker too, or is he is he still there? I feel like they lost. Like, Would you I, like to guess their leading score? Is it the guy with the M M name? Don't they have a guy like Monk or something or Mock or Clifford Amorier? Is it Amorier? He's the big dude. Yeah, yeah, he's their leading scorer. He's good. What about Mulcahy? Talk about a dude you just want to punch in the face. Uh, he has played in 18 games for them. He's averaging 31 minutes a game, nine points per contest. They, it's funny. They only have two guys in double digits. Yeah, they are very balanced. Yeah, yeah. So Indiana will see them, but they just guard well. Tuesday. I mean, they're you know, you got to respect them. You're curious, Trey Kaufman Ren's emotions tomorrow. Being a kid that is from the old 812 area code, you don't see that on Purdue's roster very often. Uh, Trace Jackson Davis, Brandon Newman, Indiana All-Star teammates. I think Mason Gillis was an honorary choice on that team. Uh, it's going to be awesome. I there. think the thing that, that this rivalry game feels like it has more than we have had in the past. It's burnt my tongue on some tea. Ooh. Is that tea? Is that what that is? Yeah. Okay. Voice um, a little scratchy. <laughs> did you put some lemon in there? I, I didn't see any. How about bourbon? A little bourbon there. in well, there? Yeah, that, I'd have to go back to my desk for that. <laughs> um the thing that this rivalry has that I think does mean it's special to people is, and this is no disrespect at all to, you know, the game has changed. Basketball has changed. Basketball's become a borderless game to a large extent because for so long, names and reputations and profiles of players were based upon what you did between October and March and playing for your school. And 
you were a guy from Bedford North Lawrence or a guy from Newcastle or a guy from Anderson or a guy from Gary Roosevelt. Now, more often than not, you're a guy from Eric Gordon Elite or you know the DC Runners or whatever it might be. And AAU basketball has, for for young people today, it has dissolved the state borders to some extent. And Indiana and Purdue both started their recruiting started to become more Indiana more than Purdue, but becoming more regional and then nationally based. Indiana really went after kids in the Maryland and DC and Beltway areas. Purdue started getting more kids out of you know Chicago certainly and up into Detroit and Michigan, you know areas around a little more regional than national. But I think that people started to long for and become nostalgic for those things that you're talking about. Exactly that, Kevin. Of man, to watch you know two guys that played against each other in high school or on the same high school team, and now they're in Indiana and Purdue. And I think people long for seeing local products on both rosters. And now you have that. The best player for Indiana is a Mr. Basketball. The best player for Purdue is an international player, but he is flanked by two Mr. Basketballs and a Mr. Basketball runner-up that comes in and gives them great minutes. And a kid from Newcastle, which is the home of Steve Alford, which is uh, and Kent Benson, which is of course Indiana territory, and you know, so those things I think are really fun to people, and they do provide a juice to this rivalry. Agreed. That has probably yeah. missed a little bit. Yeah, Purdue. If you look at their rotation, six of their nine from the state of Indiana. Again, Indiana, two of nine. Obviously, their best player, like Jake said, Trace Jackson Davis from the state. I don't think we'll see it from either coach. Certainly from Purdue. But I do wonder, will either team go zone and trying to defend either big guy? You would think that Purdue has watched enough Boy, tape. To... But Matt Painter hates going zone. Bob I, Knight I, did too till he saw David Rivers. You know, I, 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 I think it's a fair discussion to have for both coaches, particularly if foul trouble starts to arise. Uh, is Vital on the call? Is that what we heard, Mark, earlier in the week? I believe that's correct, yeah. You know, Mark, I don't know if it's the lighting or whatnot, and I'm. This is certainly the pot calling the kettle black or gray at this mm-hmm. point. But are you are you getting gray up there? Probably the, a little bit. Yeah. yeah okay. Well, three kids will do that to you. Uh, three kids, and Jake's your fourth. <laughs> okay. You know, story of my life. Did you bring? I've juice been talking box? to that I'd hair like company, J and V's hair company. I've been I've been talking to them. Are you Are you losing a little bit? I you, you know. It might be the hats, Kevin. Get me on that conference hats. call too while you're at it. I don't know. It's as much thinning as much as you know trying to look ahead. Five okay. to ten years down the road. We grow hair indie, right? Correct. Yeah, okay. Darren Andrews is terrific. You, you, He's you guys a great do dude. It? Yeah, why not? I mean, it's worked for JV. It's worked for DeMoling. I think Rake also. People are freaking out about this Chris Ballard house on the market. Chris Ballard's house has been on the silent market for like eight months. And by the silent market, that means real estate agents are aware like, hey, if somebody comes along and they're looking my house you can certainly show them my house or let me know if they're interested but then my understanding is because he upgraded he built he built a new home right you know he signed that nice contract last august i also was curious jake you know uh you see his kid committed to uh kansas the uh, quarterback for westfield oh really yeah so he's got two kids now in the big 12 his daughter does um i want to say she's a pole vaulter at baylor okay and then um, you know they got a live bear that lives there on campus. Cole is a um, don't go in the winter months to see him. He's hibernating. Cole's going to Kansas. Did Chris not reach out to you for any Kansas thoughts? I thought that would 
<laughs> I thought I'm, I'm going to be there in two weeks. I thought you'd get a little sit down, maybe, and hopefully his year goes better than mine. <laughs> Boy, nothing says the bar is set high than, than that. <laughs> Come back with that point two GPA. Uh, Do what you can. But yes, to those people out there, um, I appreciate everyone reaching out. But I don't put too much stock into the old house on them. Very nice house at a very nice golf course up in the Hamilton County area. All right, Greg Gregshaw joins us next. Don Fisher, 8.30, Rob Blackman, 9 o'clock. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Eight o'clock hour underway in Indianapolis, everywhere in the Eastern Time Zone, for that matter. Jake Query along with Kevin Bowen, Mike, uh, Kevin Bowen, Mark Dykton here as well. I think I just called you Mike. It's okay. Kevin my, Bowen my parents on the call mic. me Mike sometimes. <laughs> Mark Dykton. Mike, get in here. Spinning the hits. Mike Dykton. That's a lot. Uh, this from Jim. The narrative that IU doesn't have Indiana kids anymore is always weird to me. Basically, every decent team in the last 15 years was led by an, IU, an Indiana kid. Uh, I'm sorry. The, the narrative that IU doesn't have Indiana kids anymore. Uh, Zeller, Yogi, Holes, Trace Jackson Davis. Uh, true. Uh, Romeo Langford, Lander. That, that's fair. I just think that especially Tom Crean's recruiting started to really tap into. So did Mike Davis. You know, Bracey Wright and Marshall Strickland and um, they were really working the AAU East Coast stuff, which worked for them. I mean, I'm not damning it at all. And to be fair, so stretch. is Woodson. I don't think Woodson's gotten – wasn't CJ Gunn an Archie recruit? That might be right, yeah. Rake, I think that's right. Rake could yeah, you're right. No, that is correct. Confirm that, that better. And again, they've – I mean, by, by the rankings, they're recruiting at an extremely, you know, whatever, Im- impressive – Level. Uh, Greg Rakestraw, ISC Sports Network, joins us now. Rake, do, does that sound right to you? Any IU recruits in the Mike Woodson era? Not yet in terms of Indiana kids. I mean, obviously, Trace Jackson Davis, you go back to 2019, Anthony Leal was Mr. Basketball in the COVID year of 2020, and C.J. Gunn, yes, was a recruit uh, from uh, the previous administration that decided to stay with Mike Woodson. Yeah, and then you know Trey Galloway, same ages, Anthony Correct. Leal. Um, so we're in that week right now, Rake, where the boys played last night, and we focus kind of on the girls' sectionals tonight and tomorrow? That is correct. So Thursday night games, uh, like I had Carmel and LN last night, which was a fantastic game. Carmel won that one 62-59. It was, it was a higher-tempo game than Carmel is used to playing. Uh, just just kind of played a little faster last night, and, and Ellen was very efficient offensively throughout the game, especially in the first half. But then tonight it is the girls' sectional semifinals and the championship tomorrow. Some boys' teams will play tomorrow afternoon. Some will take the, the day off. There's a handful of teams that simply are taking the entire week off, kind of like number one Ben Davis. They don't play again until Tuesday night, but uh, we are hitting the home stretch of both basketball seasons, that is for sure. So actually, Greg, let me ask you this, because we talk so much boys' sports. Is that We talk so much sport. Is that grammatically correct? So much yeah, boys' sports. I know sports. what you mean. You're yeah. in good shape. We're in Indiana. You don't need to correct right. it too much. <laughs> that's right. Um, you can pluralize everything. That's right. What yeah. we do in Indiana. That's right. I was, Greg's we, Rake Strauss joining we, us We were right just now. talking about this yesterday at Kroger's. So, Greg, yep. from the girls' standpoint, 
you know, they we don't discuss it enough is what I was getting at. So give me the name or names of a few girls players that have not gotten the attention they deserve in the area and as well a girls team or teams that have not gotten the attention they deserve. You know, in terms of, of you know, players that are that are underrated, and I, I think she is becoming more of a household name, the player that strikes me is, is Avery Gordon because she's 6'6", um, and she's at Brownsburg. She's only a sophomore, so she's been getting a lot more attention. She also, in terms of a potential deeper in the tournament, is on the right side of the bracket. The southern half of the tournament in 4A is a lot more open in the northern half. You've got the heavy favorite in South Bend, Washington. Then at the section I'll be at tomorrow night in Noblesville, you know, you've got basically four of the other top five teams in the state are still playing in HSE, Fishers, Noblesville, Zionsville. The highest rated team in the southern half of the bracket is Bedford North Lawrence. Brownsburg, because they're in the same league as those four schools I just mentioned in the Hoosier Crossroads Conference, they're frankly a better team than their record would indicate. A couple of times I've had Brownsburg, I've been so impressed by what Avery has done, but also with how her teammates get her the basketball and how they feed her the basketball. In other words, it's lead her to the bucket where she can keep that thing chin high or taller. Nobody else is going to get it. Turn and score. And so that's a player that I would watch. Um, and again, just as a sophomore, she'll, she's going to continue to, to develop her game and, and become more of a household name as a junior and a senior. And by all accounts, she's a really great kid, too, which is wonderful to hear. So that's the player that immediately comes to mind that, that, that I've seen. of like, hey, this player is going to be talked about a lot more over the course of the next couple of years. And Greg Rakeshaw with us, ISC Sports Network. Rake, as someone that grew up in southern Indiana, the Purdue player that you hated the most in your junior high, high school years was who? Nobody. Ooh, you don't have an ounce of hate in you. Well, of course I do. Um, But this is my point of saying, in my part of the state, A, I was not an Indiana University fan growing up. I was a U of L fan. That was my team. That was mm-hmm. of, of the three that that were on our televisions a lot, and that there were passion for. Purdue was kind of an afterthought. You would you would think about Purdue in case one of like your friends or neighbors or friends' older brothers or sisters wanted to go be an engineer. You would talk about Purdue, but that that Purdue dislike wasn't there. The dislike was for Kentucky. That was the team that Indiana would play early in the year that you would get fired up about, and that is the team that you had to beat. Indiana and Louisville played played back-to-back years a a couple of times when I was growing up, but as a UofL fan, it was a dislike for Kentucky. And the IU fans, it was a dislike for Kentucky because those were the teams you heard about more on television than, say, Indiana University. So nothing but love for Purdue because they frankly weren't all that much on my radar. I mean, I could tell you who their players were back in the mid to late 80s and like the 88 team that should have made it further in the tournament than they did. So I, I can give you that, I can give you that, those experiences. But the dislike was for the team that was, you know, east and across the river from me, not the one that was three and a half hours north. Hey, man, Mitch Richmond. Mitch Richmond got hot in that 88 regional semis and. Down go Everett Stevens, Troy Lewis, Todd Mitchell, mm-hmm. Doug Lee. That team was low to Melvin McCants, I think, might have been on that team. 
Yeah. Uh, they, they were loaded, man. Um, Greg, before we get to talking, you know, back, back to the Colts and other such things, I, I do want to ask, just because you mentioned it, and we haven't discussed it really on this show at all, what has happened to Louisville basketball? I, I mean, honestly, like they are... It was a good win for Notre Dame over the I weekend. I mean, what, what did happen there? That's, uh, that is amazing that in an era where it's all legal, and I'm not accusing Louisville of running a dirty program, although the NCAA would, would, would probably you know, uh, have something to say about that. But in an era where you know, booster dollars are encouraged and a way to measure your competitive success, a program where there is so much money involved, how they got to three wins in February is beyond It's staggering. I mean, it literally is staggering, Greg. Like, because, and the thing is, it, I don't know. I mean, I, I didn't pay close attention to it, but it wasn't like they were, you know, when they made a coaching change and all of a sudden, like, the bot, like, it was just weird how, and I always get Mick Cronin and Chris Mack confused, always, but it's Chris <laughs> Mack that was at Louisville, right? Mm-hmm. Correct. So, yes. All of a sudden, randomly, it was like Chris Mack's out at Louisville. And I'm like, wait, what? Like, what happened? And he was gone, and then boom. Like, they're horrible. I mean, horrific. I know. It's so. What was it? Here, here, I think it's a series of cascading events because you got to remember the tumult of Rick Patino's departure and the years of potential probation threat uh, for them. And there was obviously a year where they missed the postseason in there, too. Um, you know, for you know, for NCA violations and sanctions, to where that affected their recruiting, their ability to recruit, and there was just kind of this negative specter hanging around the program. Well, then last year, Mac gets run mid-season, and then you make a coaching change, uh, and, and when you bring in Kenny Payne, you, you really didn't have anybody recruiting for the better part of several months. And I think you saw the impact and aspect of that now. And again, I was asked about this in a, in a, in a different forum. I do think that that is a change for how business is done. I don't think there's going to be this super huge, you know, lasting impact of this. In other words, I think it is easier for this to be solved and fixed in a quicker fashion. Because let's face it, you can basically jettison the entire roster go out and get a new roster and you're not recruiting a team or recruiting to say, Hey, come fix a team. That's going to be four and 26 this year. No, you're on the free agent market and you're offering six digits to seven for players that want to transfer to come play for your basketball team. So I say this knowing it's legal. You go out and buy a whole new team next year at the university of Louisville. So it's amazingly embarrassing and stunning they're as bad as they are. I also think now because of how the game is played in recruiting, it's quickly fixable down there. Which, I, again, to me, right, that's even more shocking why it's so bad this year. Right. You know, yep. they, they obviously Absolutely. could have done some stuff in Kenny Payne's first season. Greg Rakestraw's with us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Shifting over to the Colts, Rake. Um, I might be reading too much into this, but we know Chris Bauer is patient. Uh, we know he was left at the altar in 2018 by Josh McDaniels. Do you view the amount of patience being shown in this head coaching search as Jim Irsay really sitting back and letting Chris Ballard run the entire show? I'm not sure what to make of it at this point uh, because kind of what I had attributed to is 
you know, other teams were kind of being in an equally deliberate pace. And then obviously names started flying off the board early this week. With Frank Reich, with Sean Payton, with D'Amico Ryans, etc. And so now you're like, okay, you're one of the last ones kind of sitting around waiting. So, again, I, I still think it's got to be because a, a an interested party or two are still coaching is the reason that this has taken so long and this has been so deliberate. I could be wrong. There's obviously eight candidates that have had multiple interviews at this point. So we'll kind of see how it plays out. But, um, you know, my answers are running on short supply at this point as we're about to be four weeks removed from the end of the season. And there is still not a new head coach for the Indianapolis Colts. Rick, I ask this in all seriousness. What do you think they talk about in a 10-hour interview? (laughs) Louisville basketball. I would I would hope the Jim Irsay collection. The, I would hope that the, that the interview process is here's our current roster. Here's what we did wrong last year. Tell me what you're going to do to fix it. And you know, video evidence and and many hours spent on the whiteboard would be what happens in a ten hour interview. Would I be wrong about that? No, I. I... I think that's a lot of it. You know, I think it's free agent philosophy, draft philosophy, your approach to each side of the ball, how you want to handle training camp. Uh, I, I know it's a buzzword, but your thoughts on culture, this and that, you know, scheduling, you know, what do you what do you like about practice times, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, I could see a 10-hour interview spanning, you know, obviously eating, going back and forth to wherever this person's staying for that day. I could see that. It's more of... What do you need to see in round three that you didn't see that's, in round that's two? That's my thing. Because that's Jim Irsay was involved in round two. Like it's not like it's not like Irsay hasn't been there in each of the three rounds. Yes, he wasn't there in round one, but he was there in round two. So what's the need for a round three? Are we having round three? Is, 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 is this breaking news? Are we going to bring guys for a third conversation at this point? Sounds like that is a possibility. Okay then. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I. I it, 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 it's been four weeks. Get on with it. Let's go. I mean, I, Greg, here's the but thing. But Brandon Ballard said this from day one. He said mid, mid-February, mid and right now it's looking like that. So let me, Greg, let me throw this at you and, and give me your reaction. I said this earlier. I am the first to admit the hypocrisy of this because if they hired someone in two weeks, we would be jumping up and down, not you, but but you know I would be saying – they got burnt the first, you know, Josh McDaniels burnt them and, you know, they didn't learn their lesson and why didn't they do their due diligence and now they're doing due diligence and I'm saying, why didn't they hire somebody sure. two weeks ago? So there is a hypocrisy right. there. I'm, I'm guilty as charged. That said, is it possible that Chris Ballard is now being overcompensatory because of what happened in the Josh McDaniels situation or even possibly because he wants to exhaustively present every option not named Jeff Saturday to Jim Irsay? I think there's some truth in a lot of statements there. Um, what, what I would say is this. I mean, I, I understand that you don't have to have a head coach in place really until you get to around combine time because the general manager's not changing. The scouting staff is not changing. If the general manager's not changing, in theory, the philosophy isn't going to change. Now, there's clearly players that you are going to you know, tailored to whoever the head coach is going to be, I largely tend to think you're going to pick the head coach based on whom you think the players are going to be. And so, again, mid-February, 
Well, that, that would that would tie into that. You're two weeks ahead of the combine being here in Indianapolis. But the other event that to me that is of more importance in terms of throwing out that mid-February date is the fact the Super Bowl is on February the 12th. And so if you're saying, hey, we don't have to have a guy in place until mid-February, that tells me you've got candidates that are still coaching in the big game coming up next Sunday. Shane Steichen, the Eagles OC, reportedly uh, going to be interviewed, I think, tomorrow. And Eric Bieniemy haven't seen a second interview for him, but he is also in that game, obviously, as the Chiefs offensive coordinator. Rake, last one from me. Um, you think Indiana will have a harder time with Zach Eady tomorrow or Purdue with Trace Jackson Davis? I think Purdue has got more guys that can that can move with Trace Jackson Davis than say Indiana has guys that can compete with Zach Eady. Um, would you put first on 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 Trace or would you put Eady on on Trace? Um, no, I, I would put Eady on Race Thompson. So I would I would put I'd put first on Trace. I'd rotate Gillis over to Trace. I'd put Trey Kaufman Rent on Trace. And I'm not saying that that he's not going to have a big impact in the game. No, he will. He's a big impact in every game. But I, I think I would. I think I would put him on on uh, Ray Thompson on a play center field. It just feels to me, as I've mentioned several times, Greg. Race will shoot a couple things. Indiana. If you were to cancel, if Jackson Davis and Zach Eady were to cancel one another out, I feel like Purdue has more reliable alternate scoring depth than does Indiana. Absolutely, absolutely, they do. I don't expect Mason Gillis to hit eight threes in the way that he did the other night. But no, I mean, we've talked about this with Indiana. The offense is Trace Jackson Davis, Jamal Hood, Shafino, and... Right. And we're, we're not sure. For Purdue, it's Zach Eady and, well, hey, Fletcher Lawyer's knocked him down. And, hey, Mason Gillis has played really well. And, hey, Braden Smith can create his own offense. And so, yes, um, that that's why, again, I'm, I'm not having Eady on Jackson Davis. I'm using three or four other big bodies and just thinking I've got... 10 to 15 minutes apiece of those guys guarding Trace, and I've got about 15 fouls of those guys guarding Trace, and that's the way that I would handle it. And last year, IU got that night to remember from Robert Fennessy with Trace in foul trouble. We'll see if anybody from their supporting cast, especially inside of that building where you know we've seen Tamar sure. Bates do it, we, we, we've seen some guys do it, if anybody can deliver in that environment. Rake, have a good weekend, and uh, we'll talk to you uh, next Friday. Thanks, fellas. It's a great Greg Rakestraw right there on the Payless Liquors Hotline. One thing to note on the um, Colts head coaching search and just when they can talk to coaches in the Super Bowl, and again, Shane Steichen, Eagles OC, Eric Bieniemy, the Chiefs OC, uh, they can talk to either of them up until Sunday. Once Sunday hits, you can't talk to them during Super Bowl week until after the game. We mentioned this earlier. Jake, even if they don't hire Steichen or Bieniemy, I think the NFL really tries to tell teams don't announce head coaching hirings during the week of the Super Bowl. We want all of our attention on the big game. And I don't think Chris Ballard needs any coaxing to say, don't announce anything. (laughs) He knows how the first time went in 2018 with Josh McDaniels in the Super Bowl and that announcement. So unless something happens in the next 24, 48 hours, I think we get to Monday, February 13th, and we've got nothing. Man, people will. I mean, it doesn't matter, does it? Like in the end, if they make the right hire, does it matter? How no. Long it it, it, again, I, I, I really don't have an issue with it. The only issue I would have is: Are you losing assistant coaches to other staffs? Remember the Reggie Wayne tweet about a month ago? How cut the the coaching business is. Yeah. 
You know, does he look at Chris Ballard and say, hey, man, Frank Reich wants me to join the staff in Carolina. I can't be waiting on if Brian Callahan's going to say yes or Raheem Morris is going to say yes or Shane Steichen, you know, whoever. That would be where I would have the concern. How many – dumb question for you, Kevin. How many coaches on the assistant coaching staff for the Colts are still under a contract? That's a good question. And is that applicable, you know what I mean – what does that mean, depending on who comes in? Yeah, you uh, you can deny coaches interviewing in another place if it's a lateral move. So Gus Bradley, I believe, is under contract for one more year. If Frank Reich wants to interview him, you could deny him that interview for defensive coordinator because it's lateral. The question that I think Ballard has to ask himself is, when you hire a new coach, are you going to force any staff members on that new coach? You know, you kind of did that with Frank. I get it was, I get it was a different uh, circumstance there, but that's a question that I have. Is just, you know, obviously how much retention will you have? Because contractually, you do have some guys that should or will work for you in 2023. But does this new head coach want those staff members on your staff? Um, all right, uh, Don Fisher, right, Mark, in five minutes. Is that right? Correct. And then uh, Rob Blackman at the top of the hour. Uh, Jake, let's get the morning checkdown started with Gamebridge Fieldhouse last night. The morning checkdown brought to you by Ball State Basketball. Get your tickets at BallStateSports.com on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. It was King James last night. It is the Kings tonight. That's the way it looks for the Indiana Pacers. Last night, 112-111 LA over That sounded like a call in turn three in late May. You like that? That was beautiful. <laughs> now, is hold on. Hold on. Are you mocking the no, call? No. No. I thought that was really good. <laughs> thank you. Well, I, thank I've you. told you this before. Sitting up and Stan Jay, I like you. You paint the picture for me and what I'm going to see. And, and that was beautiful. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. I'm picturing like a, like a Snickers King's car. You know what's interesting is an interesting painter is Jackson Pollock, right? Uh, the, my boss for IMS Radio is Chris Pollock, and my coworker, Kevin Lee's son's name is Jackson. See? It all ties together. I probably should have stopped while I was ahead. I, was uh, Pacers, I shouldn't have interjected. Apologies. Pacers In my last opinion, night, that sucked. Pacers could have stopped while they were ahead because they had a 15-point lead late. But Lakers come back to win at 112-111. Anthony Davis, 31-14. LeBron James, I thought, was sensational late in the game when they basically put him on the low post and he facilitated offensively moving the ball around from there. Pacers now have lost four straight. Tyrese Halliburton, though, was pretty electric. He had 26 for Indiana. Aaron Neesmith, 24 against Sacramento tonight. That's the and the all-star selection for Halliburton uh, just before tip last night. Buddy Heald will be in the three-point contest. We did see Daniel Tice make his Pacers debut. Didn't really do much. Seven minutes, 0 for 2. From the field, it will be Demonis Sabonis and the Kings. No De'Aaron Fox tonight for the Kings. They did not play last night, so they were in Indy resting. Pacers will have a back-to-back here, and then the Cavs on Sunday. Looking ahead to Indiana and Purdue, Mark, if you cue up that Zach Eady clip from Mike Woodson. Um, again, that will be the big matchup on one end. The other one will be how Indiana or how Purdue, I should say, defends Trace Jackson Davis. We'll chat with Don Fisher and Rob Blackman more about that. But here was Mike Woodson yesterday on the challenge of Zach Eady. Well, it's tough. You know, I mean, I've, you know, coming out of the NBA, I've been a, around, you know, dominant centers. A la Akeem Elijah. Well, now, he's not a king, but, you know, you get so in tune to, you know, st- just stopping him. But, you know, they got other supporting pieces around Eady that's played well this year. 
you know, it's a double hit. You know, what I mean, you just you got to lock in Edie. I mean, and not you know, I thought last year we played him well, but you know, he's playing more minutes this year. You know, he is the guy. You know, they had the other big guy that they had Williams, I think, last year, along with him. So. You know, I'm, I'm watching film and watching other teams play, man. I mean, he's a tough matchup. I mean, for anybody, we just got to make sure that, you know, he doesn't go off and, and, and try to play him in as tough as we can. Funky Comedy. <laughs> <laughs> I, it is unbelievable how much this voice sounds like. Is that the halftime show tomorrow, did, Mark? I hope so. Did we get into the fact, by the way, that apparently, and I, I don't know, Mark, do we know the timing of the cameo? I don't know. So Mike Woodson is on Cameo. You know what that is, Kevin, right? Where you can like mm-hmm. pay celebrities right. to do a greeting? Yes. Uh-huh. And, and it appears as though a Purdue fan group... He get duped? Yes. They had Mike Woodson do... Do we have that, Mark? I don't have it handy. We should play it like after after okay. Don, maybe. They had... They had Mike Woodson do a cameo, and I believe they told him it was for a friend of theirs that is a high school basketball coach, and we'll play it later where I think he did get duped. It's a funny prank. It was for a big rivalry for Maddie. Is yeah. that correct? Funny, harmless prank, but it was pretty good. Um, again, Don Fisher going to join us here in five. Rob Blackman, the top of the hour. It's a 4 o'clock tip tomorrow from Assembly Hall. Purdue is not lost on the road yet this year. Sounds like a red out. Um, down at Assembly Hall, and I, I know I said earlier in the week, and maybe people don't care, it's a joke college game day is not going to be in Bloomington tomorrow. I don't where get to see they? unranked Duke and unranked North Carolina. Is that where they are? Come you on. can do that any year. Yeah, come on, man. Go to Indiana, Purdue. It's on your own network. First time since 94 you've had these two teams ranked with one of them in the top 10, and it happens to be the number one team in the land. All right, Don Fisher joins us next here. Kevin Corey. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. We are halfway home here on a Friday. Good-looking start to the day. Good morning to you, Jake Query, along with Kevin Bowen and Mark Dykton. And, of course, it's the weekend that many around the state have been awaiting. Indiana and Purdue. Been a long time since we've seen both teams come in ranked. One of them is the top team in the land. The other one is at home and joining us now on the Payless Liquors Hotline to talk about all of that and more is the voice of Indiana, Don Fisher, who joins us. Don, I appreciate the time this morning, and I want to begin with this. Trace Jackson Davis has been just consistently night in and night out, both from a scoring and rebounding standpoint. I mean, obviously putting together a dynamic season. Who's the last guy that comes to mind that has had a season that has been this consistently dominant in the front court for Indiana. Is there anybody that jumps out at you? Well, from a from a scoring perspective, uh, probably Alan Henderson. 
<laughs> that's I, I was thinking of Alan, and Alan did so many different things, and that's kind of how that feels, right? Yeah, I mean exactly, and and uh, but Alan was uh, a little bit different kind of player uh, inside, but uh, I thought he was probably as consistently good as anybody that Indiana's had in a long time, and um, you know from from a defensive standpoint, I don't know that anybody that I've seen has been as good defensively, at least from a blocking uh, shot standpoint than, than Trace Jackson Davis has been. He's just been spectacular. Um, and he's done it his entire career. It's not like uh, you, you don't overtake uh, what Newton did back in the day uh, and take over the all-time career blocks leading list if you aren't consistent. And he's been doing that his whole career, but it's really been special this year, no doubt about that. Who would you say, Don, and I think this is probably the one thing that perhaps Mike Woodson is most trying maybe even still to figure out, but in your opinion, who is the most consistent secondary score that Indiana can rely upon? You know, they've had some injuries, right, and guys that have missed time, but if Trace Jackson Davis is going to need a Robin, who's the most consistent player for that role? That's a hard question to answer, Jake, because honestly, there's nobody that's really been that guy so far this year. You've had different people step up. Trey Galloway and Tamar Bates have both had big ball games for Indiana, but it's not, it doesn't happen every night. Miller Kopp, we know, can shoot the basketball from outside as well as anybody on this team, and yet he, he doesn't take very many shots or he doesn't get very many shots in any ball game that you see. Um, I think he's had maybe only two or three double-figure scoring games this year, maybe four, but uh, the, the whole point is that there's nobody that you can rely on consistently to be that guy. The good news is that they've had other guys step up, and, and that's been, that part of it has been pretty consistent. Almost every ball game, somebody else steps up and, and knocks down some threes or, or at least is a, a, a consistent scorer in the sense of, of being able to help the team. So I, honestly, Jake, I don't think there's anybody that you can say right now is that dominant person. You probably would say Xavier Johnson if he was healthy, but uh, he's just not been healthy, obviously, hasn't played since the, uh, the Kansas ball game. So right now they're, they're still looking for that one guy. He's the great Don Fisher. He's with us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Don, appreciate the time here on this Friday morning. Um, when you look at the history of this matchup, what are one or two moments that stand out to you above the rest? Oh, gosh. <laughs> I don't know I could pick one or two. There just been so many. Obviously, last year, to break the nine-game losing skid to Purdue was special. Uh, there's no question about that. that. That immediately comes to mind because it's the closest thing that we've had to success against the Boilermakers. Um, you know, I always go back, if you're, if you're just looking at, at big ball games between these two teams, uh, I, I've always gone back to the very first Purdue-Indiana matchup that I ever saw at Assembly Hall, and that was back in 1974. Uh, Indiana was playing the Boilermakers. Steve Green and John Laskowski were a part of that ball club, uh, and, uh, you know, it last stepped up at the free throw line in the last seconds of that ball game and knocked down a couple of free throws to give Indiana the lead. And then uh, they went down the floor, and Mike Steele tried to take a shot from the corner with basically two seconds on the clock. And Steve Green, who literally would tell you that he probably couldn't jump over a phone booth, went and blocked his shot. <laughs> and 
and Indiana won that ball game, and the student section uh, jumped out on the floor, which was kind of unusual, yeah. to say. But uh, that was one of the few times that we saw it during the Bob Knight era. You know, 16-year-old me, Don, for about from the age of 16 till about 35 years old, I could not touch a basketball without simulating Jay Edwards' shot over Tony Jones. <laughs> like, but you know the the thing about this rivalry, and you've seen a lot of it, and that's what makes this game so intriguing. I think is there have been so many times that one of the two schools was having a dream season only to have it be hiccuped by the other one that knocked off the one that was higher ranked. That yeah. just has happened so many times, right? You're absolutely right. I mean, th- these these two teams, uh, when you least expect it, too, sometimes, you know? <laughs> and uh, these two teams have always had great ball games. Uh, when one has been down, uh, usually the, the, the one that has been down comes back and bites you. And, and when the other one, when they're both really good, that's when it's really special. And so many times during the night, Katie era, uh, these two ball clubs were pretty evenly matched, and they went through some real Donnybrooks over those years. And honestly, it's it's a great rivalry. It really is. It's always better when both are really good. Uh, and I think Purdue is just special this year. They certainly have proved that up to this point. And I don't think Indiana's bad in that sense because I think they've had a, a good season in some respects, and they just haven't been as consistent. And, of course, the injuries have played a role in that. Again, he's Don Fisher. He's with us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. In your history with the variety of coaches, and obviously Bob for a while, but then lately there's been about a handful of coaches, did, did you get the sense that the rivalry meant the same for all the Indiana coaches? No, I don't. I mean, I, I think the rivalry itself means the same thing, but I don't know if it does for coaches. You know what I'm saying? I mean, mm-hmm. uh, Calvin Sampson was only here a couple of years. I don't know if he got the real feel for the Indiana-Purdue matchups. Uh, I think, you know, it's interesting, and, and Jake, you, you probably will relate to this in some respects because Mike Davis has had the best record of any Indiana coach against Purdue in a very short period of time. In six years, he was 11 or 9-2 and two against hmm. Purdue. Uh, that's when Purdue was down a little bit and Indiana was playing pretty well most of those years. But honestly, uh, I, I mean, I think, I think any coach that comes to Indiana uh, immediately recognizes how big this game is, especially the first time they go out on the floor. And, and of course, with all the trappings of social media now and, and of course, uh, the constant uh, talking about this matchup, I think most coaches get it. Uh, whether they embrace it as much as the Knight Katie era, I'm not sure of that. I think Mike Woodson gets it, and I think Matt Pater gets it. So I think these two guys will probably, uh, I would think that's a probably a misstatement for those two guys because they get it. I think they really know what it's all about. You know what, Don, to, to deviate from Don Fisher, the voice of Indiana's our guest on the Payless Lakers Hotline, to deviate a second from this year's matchup, um, you mentioned Mike Davis. And you know, I, I don't know if I've mentioned this to you before, but but I've always felt this way, and I was wrong about it when he was coaching, for sure. But as time has passed, I think I've realized that I don't know that there was anybody that was put into a more difficult situation in college basketball, but handled it with a better professionalism, for the most part, than Mike Davis, who I think years from now we will look back and say that despite wins, losses, and records, he was a he he offered a tremendous service 
to Indiana University basketball in what had to have been the most tumultuous period for any coach. And I just don't, myself included, I am absolutely guilty of not giving him that credit in the moment. Well, and and I've always felt that way about him because, as you know, I was very close with Mike Davis, and I just I thought the world of the guy. He was a special man, and my and from my perspective, uh, he still is a special man. Uh, he was too on, he was honest to a fault. He would he would not lie about anything. You ask him a question, and he would either not give you the answer because he didn't want to impugn someone, or at the same time. Uh, he wouldn't say a nasty thing about him. He he was a really good person on top of being a really good basketball coach. You know, was he ready for Indiana University? Probably not. Uh, I, I know we had many conversations about um, the struggles that he had in dealing with some of the problems that took place while he was the head coach and, and obviously dealing with the negativism from the standpoint that he was the guy following Bob Knight and it wasn't going to be a special, that type of thing. But uh, he, he still, to this day reveres the opportunity that he got at Indiana in those six seasons. Uh, he, he did a really good job most of the time. Uh, a couple of recruits got away that might have made it really special for him, but at the same time, he, he knew when it was time to get out, and he did it. Uh, at the same time, I, I thought he handled it as well as any coach has ever possibly handled a situation like that. And you're right, uh, he hasn't gotten the credit he deserves. Don, in terms of this year's team, the Maryland game, you know, obviously they did not get good shooting from the outside in particular. And Trace Jackson Davis, they kind of pushed him off the block a little bit. But I thought Indiana, considering the injuries, probably going into that game might have been playing as well as it's had in a stretch here this season. Could the Maryland game have just simply been a bump in the road? Or could that also, or would it have been, or is it possible that it was a trajectory changer for Indiana in terms of a blueprint on how to beat them? You know, I don't know. I, I mean, I can't answer that, Jake. It's it, what I do know is this: uh, you, you went into the Maryland game, and I, I thought, and I said this to anybody that asked me, uh, that the Maryland game was going to be really tough for Indiana. Uh, it, the matchups just weren't quite what you would like. At the same time, Maryland was playing their best basketball and is playing their best ba- basketball of the season. Indiana's on a five-game winning streak. So that is hard to maintain sometimes, and the thinking process that goes into that from a mental standpoint, from a coaching perspective, sometimes that's just hard to get guys to understand that, hey, this isn't going to just happen. You've got to be able to provide it each and every time you walk out on the floor. All those things came into my thinking process of, of this matchup, and that's why it was concerning to me. And obviously they didn't shoot the ball worth a nickel in this ball game. That was probably their biggest problem. But they didn't, they didn't do a great job, and, and Mike Woodson would probably argue this, that they were really good defensively because they held Maryland to 34%. But the defense that they played, so many times they were called for fouls. And when you give another team 25 out of 29 from the free throw line, and you were somewhere in the 10 to 12 range, uh, you're in real trouble. And Maryland was a ball club that knocked them down in this contest. And you can't you can't play defense and foul all the time. You've got to play defense without fouling as much as possible. And in this game, Indiana didn't do that. Don, obviously, you look at last year's matchup and the, what Robert Fennessy did. You're able to overcome the foul trouble for Trace Jackson Davis, and I think he only played like 10 or 11 minutes right. in that game. When you talk about guarding Zach Eady, when's the last time you've seen a Big Ten big man that even commands the sort of attention like him? <laughs> well, I guess maybe 
Uh, the only other guy you could probably say that about was uh, Isaac Haas. <laughs> Another guy that was a load inside. Now, he wasn't the, I don't think he was the scoring type no. guy that, uh, that Edie is. But Edie's so coordinated. Exactly. And, and Haas was just that big and tough to move around. But, but that's going to be the key in this ball game. And it's not going to be necessarily the only key. I mean, they, they're going to have to play good against everybody. And they're not going to be uh, able to allow some of that outside shooting that, they're, that Purdue is very capable of to burn them. Uh, because if they do, there will be no contest. I mean, Edie inside, I think, is essentially unstoppable. Now, you can contain him to some degree, but you just can't stop him. He is that talented around the basket. Uh, and obviously, last year, Indiana got in foul trouble early with him, with Trace being out of the ball game most of the contest because of that foul issue. I, I don't know how you handle that this year. In my opinion, I wouldn't put Trace on, on Zach Eady. I'd yeah, put Ray or um, Malik Renew or whoever. Uh, obviously, they're a little shorthanded now with Geronimo having been out the last few ball games, and I don't, I don't know if he'll play in this one. But uh, they're, they're going to have to do something different than they did a year ago because you can't afford to have Trace out of the ball game. He is the key to this team. Don, last one for me, and when you speak, it is certainly gospel. So I, I'm going to ask you this question about IU fandom. And I feel bad asking you a question about hate, but it is rivalry week. So um, this is from Scotty. And now Scotty's a big Kentucky fan. Scotty was wondering. Yeah, we'll speak slowly. Does IU <laughs> hate Purdue or Kentucky more? <laughs> well, I can't speak for the whole Hoosier Nation, but I can tell you what I think. Uh, I hate Kentucky more. Bingo, baby. <laughs> Bingo. No question. And the reason I do is because I hate the fact that they don't play anymore. Uh, amen. It's just ridiculous that Indiana and Kentucky don't play every year. One ball game uh, at the other school uh, school's place or at Indiana's place or wherever. Don, uh, I mean, how much ridiculous. fun was that? Leading up, you know, two weeks before Christmas and the dome is half blue, half red or Freedom Hall. I mean, I would prefer campus sites, but at this point, I know, but it was so much fun. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and, you know, they had at the Hoosier Dome, they used to have, you know, Kentucky and Louisville come in every year with Indiana and Notre Dame, and and it was so cool. Uh, But but Calipari put a stop to that, therefore, he is not on my best friend list. (laughs) Do do you hate three putting more than John Calipari? Actually, I do. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, Don, I'll ask you this one about the rivalry. Um, And I'm not going to ask you which player that you most disliked from Purdue because you're a broadcaster. I mean, I get it. You're a professional. But give me the player. I've always enjoyed asking fans this question. So I'll ask you as a broadcaster. Give me the player for Purdue, and there have probably been a lot of them, but the one that jumps out at you that you thought to yourself, you know what, I know he plays for the rival school from the one I'm broadcasting, but I can't help but absolutely love the way that kid plays the game of basketball. Oh, I thought you were going to go the other way and just who I, I thought was the worst player or the best player I'd ever seen that I disliked the most. Okay, well, you can go that no, way I'm if you not, want. I, I'm not going there yeah. either. Don's filled with hate after That's that right. question now. <laughs> so, so you want to know what now, Jake? I want to know the guy that, when he played his last game against Indiana, you thought to yourself, you know what, I know he plays for Purdue, but gosh darn it, I enjoyed watching that guy play. Gosh, that is a hard question to answer. 
I'm, I'm trying to go back in my memory banks now to, to all the terrific Purdue players that we've gone up against over the years. But, you know, the guy that I really admired, and I can't think of his name off the top of my head, he played a couple of years ago, um, and he was the guy that did everything off the bench and was just tremendous. Every time he walked out on the floor, he did really positive things for that ball club. And he wasn't a great player or anything like that. He just did it all right. I can't think of his name now, but the other guy that comes to mind immediately is Brian Cardinal. Yeah, I mean, Cardinal's the one that... Cardinal is the typical player, Don, is he not? That, like, when he's on the other team, you can't stand him, and then you realize that you can't stand him because you really wish he was on your team. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know what I mean? He's the Dane Fife of Indiana. Yeah, that's exactly right. That's exactly right. <laughs> yep. who, uh, I, I'm trying to think of who this guy would have been re- recently, Don. White guy, black guy? Yeah, white guy, yeah. I mean, about six, six, six. Grady seven. Eifert? Eifert, exactly. Greg yeah. Eifert. He's uh, he's now Look coaching. At you guys. He's now coach with Micah Shrewsbury yeah. at Penn State. I saw. <laughs> so exactly. I saw them go through the uh, handshake line. Well, Don, uh, can't wait for the listen tomorrow. Again, downstairs WIBC uh, coverage begins at three o'clock. It's a four o'clock tip. There. Do you get? I don't know. Do you sleep any differently on a night like this? I no. I, I don't know. Am I, am, I, am I putting too much stock into that? Yeah, too much stock in me in that. Okay, fair. <laughs> I'm not. Uh, I, 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 look, I have a problem sleeping for eight hours these days. <laughs> and it's only, only because I'm old and I got to get up to do what you know I sure. have to do yeah. uh, at least one time during the evening. So <laughs> yeah, you're thinking about lining up that second putt and all of a sudden it wakes you up in a cold sweat. Don Fisher not only painting pictures of IU basketball, but his That's nightly right. routine as well for all exactly. of us here on this Friday morning. Don, have an awesome call, and thank you for the time. Appreciate Thanks, it, Don. Guys. Thanks for having me. That's a legendary Don Fisher right there on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Boy, that was a nice call by you on Grady Eifert. You know, I was thinking about somebody that came off the bench and did a lot of little things, and, and Jake, if I'm not mistaken, I think he became a starter on that Elite Eight team. I think that's right. And he what? you're right. He was Carson Edwards, Klein... Eifert. Boy, Carson Edwards is one. I was thinking about this. big man on that Elite Eight team? I was thinking about this the other day because Eifert, it was Haas, wasn't it? Haas or Harms. Um, But Eifert, or excuse me, Carson Edwards hit 10 threes against, I can't remember if it was the Tennessee or Virginia game. It was a Virginia game. Ryan Klein's the one that hit, what, eight against Tennessee? And, you know, Mason Gillis hitting nine the other day. It was mentioned that that was one away from Carson Edwards' record, and I thought, not that people have forgotten about Carson Edwards, don't get me wrong, but they're so good right now. It's like whoever would have guessed that that quickly that would become like, oh yeah, Carson Edwards. I forgot about that run. I mean, that was just such an electric run. That Ryan Klein game against Tennessee was unbelievable. Oh, man. Unbelievable. Looking up where Carson Edwards is right now, playing in Turkey. He was in Detroit last year. They signed him at the end of the year, and it looked like, and he played well. Yeah. Um, Celtics drafted him. Is that right? I think that's right. Yes. And then he got traded. Uh, kind of bounced around a little bit. Do, now, do we have now the Mike Woodson cameo? Would you Mark? like it? Yeah. Do you want, do you to, want to go to break side? and then we'll get yeah. on the other right. side? I say we do that. that. We need and, to explore uh, this. Did he get punked or not? We'll take a look at that. And Rob Blackman in 10 minutes. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. 
So, Mark Dykton, I'm going to let you set the stage on what we believe this audio is, okay? Mm-hmm. How can you best explain for people, especially those that may not be familiar with Cameo and other such so online things? Cameo is a uh, like a service that you can have celebrities and athletes and whatnot. You can request them to send you like a, a, a video message. You can do it for birthdays and whatnot like that. They're... They have a list of who's all on there. It's a certain amount of... All, all the prices are different. Who Who is the most expensive cameo video greeting that you can get? Oh, gee. I, don't, I mean, I'd Taylor have to... Taylor Swift? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know if she would be on there, but I would have to imagine if it was someone of that stature, yeah, you'd probably be paying a few grand to do that and stuff. So um, I've never used it. I've seen people that do use it, um, but... Yeah, you can just depends how much you're willing to spend. People do for like surprise birthday parties or, you know, whatever, but um, you can uh, do it that way. By the way, Floyd Mayweather hmm. is the most expensive $15,000 per cameo. Oh, oh yeah, that's a good deal. Now, how much is Mike Woodson? So I've looked up Mike Woodson. A personalized video is $130. Okay. Why the a, hell is Mike Woodson on camera? I don't know. That's one of the more bizarre things I, I saw yesterday. Uh, booking a business video is $3,000. Booking a live video call is $390. And if you want him to send you a message, $11. Uh, Caitlyn Jenner, by the way, is $2,500 for Caitlyn Jenner. So are we playing the video? So apparently someone requested, and we don't know if he was aware this is I, the new thing, by the way, duping the opposing head coach. Didn't Bob Stoops mm-hmm. run into this earlier yeah. in the year about firing Kirk Ferentz's brother? Maybe it was Kirk Ferentz or something. So this is Mike Woodson to a Purdue fan. That's the thought here? Well, clearly the Purdue fan made it seem like it was not Matt Painter that Mike Woodson was talking to, but somebody else named I don't know if he's calling him Maddie or if it was requested that he call I, I him Maddie. I think they basically said like, "Hey, I've got a friend named Maddie and he's a coach and they've got a big rivalry game coming up. Can you do him a cameo?" Right? Mm-hmm. And this is how it sounded. Hey, Maddie, this is head coach Mike Woodson in the University Basketball. Hope all is well with you. Just wanted to send a shout out to wish you nothing but the best in this big, big time game that's coming up against your rival. I wish you nothing but the best. Let's kick some ass. Do what you do. Obviously, you love coaching, and I have a great deal of respect for all coaches because it's tough. Pump those guys up. Get them ready. Take care, Maddie. We love you, my brother. Good luck. Let's kick some ass. <laughs> now, I mean, if the- you're Indiana, don't you just like, hey, man, Here's an extra five grand in your contract for the cameo urge. Did do, did they, did he make the left hand turn? That's what I'd like. To well, know. it looked like he was on the team bus. I like he was going in the middle yeah. of a, like a, a road trip to day. Maryland, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah. kudos to Purdue. If that's what that was, uh, kudos to Purdue. I love right? rivalries. I love it. I mean, oh, Patrick saying that uh, Woodson donates the money. Well, that's great, but I mean, <laughs> I mean, come on, cameo. That's classic. All right, Rob Blackman, we heard from Don Fisher a few minutes ago. Let's hear from the Purdue side of things. Voice of the Boilers joins us next. Let's kick some ass. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com. 
and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. <laughs> the final hour of the week. Boy, we've had to shut the blinds a lot this week with the sun just beautiful creeping in. Looks like another great day here. Going to be a bit chilly. And I would guess, I don't know, maybe tonight, tomorrow. Rob Blackman, what are you making the trek down to Bloomington? Can't wait. It's always sunny on Highway 37 from Indianapolis to Bloomington. Love that trip. Especially with uh, construction no no longer. Are you a Saturday commute down, or are you you going down later tonight? Uh, So I will be uh, this time, with it being a 4 o'clock game. I normally try to uh, just kind of judge it by what time the tip-off is. If it was a noon tip, I'd head down tonight, but uh, 4 o'clock tip-off, I'll have plenty of time tomorrow. So, yeah, I'll head down tomorrow. Rob, I'm going to ask you a similar question to what I asked Don Fisher from the Indiana side. From the Purdue side, we know that Zach Eady is obviously what everything runs through. And Purdue is interesting because they've had various players in different games be the guy to step up to be a reliable Robin for him. But who is the most consistent alternate scorer to Zach Eady in the event that Purdue's big man has a rare off night? Uh, well, the easy answer is Fletcher Lawyer, and I say easy because he's the second leading scorer on the team, so you automatically just kind of think, well, he's the guy. But I do truly believe he is that guy, regardless if he's the second leading scorer or not, which is interesting to say for a guy that's a true freshman. But, you know, not only is he is he the second leading scorer on the team, but he's he's been at his best in the Big Ten games and or the bigger games. I mean, that's, that's kind of the thing with him. He's he had 27 against Nebraska. He had 17 against Penn State, 20 against Minnesota, uh, 18 against Duke, I think it was, 17 against Michigan State. My point being, the bigger games is when he's really stepped it up from an offensive end and really given Purdue a punch. So he would be that guy without question, at least from what we've seen to this point, you know, 20, 22 or 23 games into the season here. Rob Blackman is with us again, the voice of the Boilers here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. It's a 4 o'clock tip tomorrow from Bloomington. Rob, I asked this to Jake earlier and curious your thoughts on on Zach Eady. If I threw these three things at you, uh, the stamina that Eady is able to play with night in, night out, his ability to play you know, north of 30 minutes and not foul, or his just passing decision-making, of those three, which has impressed you the most? Oh, uh, very good one. Uh, <laughs> and I guess <laughs> a couple all- of them go hand in hand. Like, you know, stamina and the ability to play without fouling probably goes hand in hand a little bit. But just curious your thoughts. Yeah, no, but all, uh, but all three are just so improved from where he was a year ago. And look, I don't know if it's even fair to Zach. Maybe he could have done this last year as far as playing 30 minutes a game, but he wasn't going to, regardless, because of Travion Williams obviously being uh, being the backup five. Uh, so maybe he could have. Maybe the stamina thing should not have come, come as such a surprise. Maybe we just didn't have a chance to see it. He played 19 minutes a game last year. Again, it had, didn't have anything to do with stamina. Um, it had more to do with the guy that was playing behind him at that position. Uh, but I would say probably the passing, um, and and more importantly, what would go hand in hand with that. Kevin is his patience now in the post. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's what's really impressed me the most. Um, you know, last year, 
when he caught that ball in the low post and the double team came, you really had no idea what was going to happen. Maybe something good, maybe something terrible. You, you, you just didn't know. <laughs> this year, he's just been so much better. Uh, and, and Matt Painter actually talked about this on the, on the coach's show Monday night. He just literally puts that ball up above his head because he knows most guys can't jump up there to get it anyway and just takes his time and surveys the floor and tries to find the open teammate uh, when the double team comes. And if it doesn't come, you know, he quickly gets into his move, whether it be the, the right-handed hook shot or he's gotten pretty good lately about spinning back to the to his right shoulder and finishing with his left hand. You know, he just kind of waits and takes what the defense gives him and doesn't panic. And so I would say the passing slash patience is probably what's impressed me the most with him this year as far as a guy that's really, you know, as you're trying to evolve your game and become the best player you can be, I, I would put those two things there hand-in-hand hand is what really has helped him take another step. You know, on the foul front, he's only had four games all year with more than two fouls, yeah. which is yeah. obviously really, really rare. One more thing on Edie, and again, Rob Blackman's with us, the voice of the Boilers. I always felt this way when the Pacers had playoff series against LeBron. You always were like, when LeBron sits, that's when you've got to go on a run. Do you see any trend when Edie is not on the floor that Purdue has improved in those minutes when he's not on the floor, or is that still a question mark? I, I I really haven't put a whole lot of stock into like how is Purdue playing when he's off the floor because tomorrow, you know, when he sits versus when Trace sits will I think be really interesting. Yeah, and uh, that 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 uh, answer actually, Kevin, for me has changed within the last probably two weeks because there was a point up to about uh, really a week and a half ago when Zach left the floor, and quite frankly, when the starters left the floor. Uh, that Purdue was trending in the wrong direction. But the last three games, that has not been the case. Um, and it, look, it's easy to say when, it, when Mason Gillis comes off the bench and has 29 for you against Penn State Wednesday. But even before that, the game before that, the Michigan State game, uh, 24 points, I think, off the bench for Purdue. Uh, the game prior to that, the Michigan, the Michigan game, 21 points off the bench for Purdue. Purdue had not been getting that type of uh, production from their bench. No, not, nothing close to that, quite frankly, in Big Ten play until starting about three three games ago. Um, so now you don't feel quite as bad when Zach Eady does leave the floor, nor any of those five starters. Um, I mean, let's all be perfectly honest. Trey Kaufman-Wren is probably going to end up being a really, really good player by the time his Purdue career is done, but he is no Zach Eady, so, and he's the backup five. So when Zach comes out of the game, Trey Kaufman comes into the game, Trey Kaufman-Wren, um, there is a there is certainly a decided drop off, uh, a noticeable drop off. I beg your pardon, at both ends of the floor. Um, but the good point, the good part is, the other guys that have been surrounding Trey, those other bench players, they've been playing at such a high level. You're really able to compensate for the fact that you do have Zach Eady on the bench trying to. And look, Zach plays you know 31 minutes or so a game, so it's not like he's on the bench a lot. But yes, when he when he is out of the game, up until about three games ago, I would have argued that's, that, that Purdue's in a bad spot. But at least the last three games or so, that has not been the case. Rob, when you look at Rob Blackman as our guest, he is the voice of the Purdue Boilermaker basketball team. He's on the Payless Lickers hotline. When you look at what Purdue has done, we'll say for the last month, and, and I legitimately don't know, but you, you know, you're there and you see it, have they altered game plans night in and night out based upon who they're facing? Or is Purdue at the point now of we are confident in who we are and what we do and try to stop it? Yeah, on the offensive end, that is, uh, that's a fair statement, Jake, that there have, there's, really, there's been very little changes, if any. Maybe a wrinkle or two here and there on an out-of-bounds play. 
that we haven't haven't run yet this year or have run only once or twice. Uh, but yes, it's uh, and, and look, you guys understand this. The smart coaches understand this. If something's working, why in the world would you ever think about changing or altering it? And Purdue has a good thing going right now. Um, the one thing Purdue has not seen a lot of, seen a little bit of it here, especially the last couple of games, and not a lot, is zone defense. And that's because, of course, in our league, there just aren't a lot of teams that play, play much zone. Uh, we've seen a little bit of it. Um, so Purdue's had to alter their approach there with their zone offense just because Purdue doesn't have to run a lot of zone offense. Again, because you just don't see it very much. But, yes, as far as on the offensive end, it's, hey, the ball's going into Zach Eady every single time. He's going to get a touch. You now trust him that if, 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 it's a, if it's a matchup that he's not comfortable with, then he's going to get the ball out, throw it to the open teammate. And, uh, you know, unlike last year, he actually might get the ball back. You know, one of the concerns last year was when the ball went inside, if Zach threw it outside, he, might, he probably wasn't going to see it again. <laughs> and maybe that's not all bad when you have a guy like Jay Knife on your team. But this year, that ball does come back inside to him. And uh, that's been a big key for Purdue offensively as well. But, but to, yes, to answer your question directly, Jake, I, I think Matt Painter and the staff are really comfortable with what they're doing right now. Uh, and really both ends of the floor. I mean, Purdue's been really good on defense, averaging like 60 points a game. I think they're allowing to the opponent in Big Ten play. That's pretty good. 60 points a game in Big Ten games is all you're allowing. So I, 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 do, I truly feel like, Purdue's in a position right now where, hey, we're really good at what we're doing at this moment, so so why change? Let's just stick with what's working, and maybe maybe somewhere down the road, I mean, it's only February, uh, early February, maybe you have to make a wrinkle or a change here or there, but for the moment, uh, Purdue's in a pretty good spot and, and comfortable with what they're doing. Yeah, Rob, that is such a great point on their commitment to feed Zach Eady multiple times within a possession. All four guys, usually on the floor, are all really effective passers. They've been great at that this season. Again, tomorrow it's in Bloomington. Three weeks from tomorrow, it'll be up in Mackey, Indiana, and Purdue. Rob, uh, you got a favorite moment from this rivalry? We had Don Fisher uh, yeah, on earlier and he dialed yeah, up a that's, few. Um, that's an easy answer for me. I don't know that the Purdue fans will care for it, uh, but when Bob Knight made his return um, to Assembly Hall there, what was it, three years ago? Does that sound right? Four now? I think it was 2020, um, yeah. That was uh, that was the highlight uh, for me, uh, for a couple of reasons. Uh, number one, being having grown up, born and raised in Indiana, you know, I was born in 1970, so I'm very familiar with the Bob Knight Gene Katie rivalry because that was right in my wheelhouse uh, as a kid growing up and a teenager. Uh, but but more importantly, how emotional it made my broadcast partner Larry Clisby at the time, uh, and how much it meant to him because you know he was part like Don, much like Don Fisher. He was part of all of those games between Gene Gady and Bob Knight. And I could just remember, uh, and certainly, you know, God rest uh, uh, the Cliz's beautiful soul, but I can remember that day vividly as if it happened yesterday. He was, uh, and he was in declining health at that point, but it was, was still doing the broadcast with me. But was really, uh, he was really struggling emotionally uh, because of um, just, just seeing Coach Knight back out on the floor. And if you remember, Coach Katie was there. He was there as well. Um, so it was, uh, it was, uh, it was, it was a day that I'll never forget. Let me just put it that way. I need to stop talking or I'm going to start getting emotional here too, thinking about the quiz from that day. But yes, that was the one I'll, I, I'm certain I'll never forget. Well, they, you know, it's interesting too, that that night, Rob, both Bob Knight and Gene Cady went to the Pacer game together. And I think that that finally kind of glimpsed for a lot of people that weren't around it closely the peek behind the curtain that these two guys that forever fans were so you know there was so much 
vitriol about the other from the fan bases of one of those coaches and then for people to sit back and go wait a minute these guys got along that whole time <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> you know what i mean and the, the respect you know this respect you have from both sides for the other coach i mean just a, a glimpse there behind the curtain about the respect that cliz had for for coach knight and why does cliz have that respect for him because coach katie was always talking bob knight up and the respect that he had for him uh, so obviously you're going to uh, you're going to be emotional when that when that particular instance happens. But yeah, I tell you, I I remember I, I made a comment on the air and I asked for for Cliz's comment about it and I looked over at him and he couldn't speak. I mean, he was just like a little baby over there crying. So it was uh, what a day, man! I will, I'll never forget that one. Never. Certainly, what makes this rivalry so so special, uh, Rob? Last one from me. Rightfully so. We've talked so much this week and today about Zach Eady and Trace Jackson Davis. Uh, any X factor, other matchups, you know, storylines you think deserve some attention? I'll throw one at you. I think how Ethan Morton defends Jalen Hood, Shafino, assuming that is the 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 matchup there. Uh, but anything else kind of stand out to you about tomorrow, Kevin? I would say all five positions. Um, and here's why I was thinking about this this morning before you guys called. Just We'll just think about the starting five for a second. Trace Jackson Davis versus Zach Eady. Both are not only going to be first-team All-Big Ten, they're going to be first-team All-American. I don't see any way they're not. Race Thompson against Caleb First slash Mason Gillis. Very, very similar type players. Almost even height and weight-wise, very similar type guys at the four. Trey Galloway, defensive specialist who can score it if you leave him open. Guess what? Purdue has one of those guys, too, and Ethan Morton. Three-point specialist, Miller Cop. Purdue has one of those guys, too, and Fletcher Lawyer. Lead guards, Jalen Hutchifino against Braden Smith. Two of the best freshmen in the league. Maybe two of the best freshman lead guards in the country. So every single position matches up perfectly. Think about this. That typically doesn't happen, even in a big-time college basketball game. Normally, you feel like one team has an advantage over the other at a certain position. I don't see that anywhere across the board with this group uh, tomorrow. So maybe it comes down to a bench player that ends up being the difference in the game for one of the two teams. Certainly did last year. Yeah, great point. Great point. But if you are looking for the game on paper that from a a matchup standpoint works out perfectly for, for the fans, I mean, this is the game. This is the game. Because both teams, in my opinion, have an exact replica of themselves on the other side, staring them right in the face. So I, 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 I can't wait. I, the atmospheres are going to be awesome. It always is down there. I, it, to me, this to heck with that Duke North Carolina game. I mean, come on. Why we, why, <laughs> what are we doing here? Why is game? I, I, first, I thought I thought our, our game might have been on FS1 or Fox. I thought, oh, I must. But no, it's on ESPN. Why? Why is game made not at Purdue IU? This you talk about the perfect storm brewing here. This is going to be the game. But yeah. makes no whatever, sense to whatever. me. Four o'clock ESPN, and you're going to go with unranked Carolina Duke. <laughs> yeah, sorry, man. I mean, this is the game. This is the game. It just it has on paper, and I know they've not played on paper, but man, on paper, this game has every single ingredient you would want for a big time game. So, Rob, oh, when, I want to ask you this real quick. When you look at last year with Purdue, you know, I, I was just having a conversation with somebody about the fact that you know you lose a lottery pick and yet you are better than a year ago. A year ago, I think there were times when Jaden Ivey had the ball and the others on the floor were waiting to kind of see what he was going to do. Understandably so. 
This year, their ball movement is so spectacular, and they have a guy in Zach Eady that when he gets the ball, like Jaden Ivey, you're waiting to see what he's going to do. Yet, the fluidity of their offense does not stop when Eady gets the ball. What is the difference? Well, the difference, to be very frank, is on the defensive end. Purdue was not very good defensively last year. Matt Painter will be the first to tell you that. He also said this, I think it was on Monday's Coaches Show as well, where he said, last year towards the end of the year as a coaching staff, we just finally said, screw it, we can't guard, let's just try to outscore everybody. And that almost worked out okay, actually. Got you to the Sweet 16. Um, But that's where the biggest difference is. But to your point, Jake, you are correct. When Jaden Ivey got the ball on the wing last year on the perimeter, there was, a, there was a lot of standing around and watching him, which I probably would have done the same thing. I mean, the guy's a top-five pick in the, in the lottery. But, yes, a lot of standing around and watching him, not a lot of movement offensively. And, again, the thing we talked about earlier, Kevin and I were talking about, when the ball goes inside this year, if it comes out, it's going to get thrown back inside again. That did not happen last year. When Zach touched the ball, if he gave it up, he wasn't going to see it again. And I think that made Purdue's offense a little bit stagnant, too. Now, with all that said... The hard facts are who was still number one or number two in the country in adjusted offensive efficiency all of last year for the entire year. So it's not like Purdue was bad on offense. You can't be number one in the country in adjusted offensive efficiency and be bad on offense. But, yes, there is a bit more fluidity to this year's team on the offensive end, and I think a big part of that is everyone's not just standing around watching Jaden Ivey with the ball in his hands. He'll have the call tomorrow, 4 o'clock, on the Purdue Radio Network. Rob Blackman, the voice of the Boilers, with us. And as I said earlier, it's kind of the rare rivalry where you get two Saturday matchups in February. The schedule has not really offered that in past years with this rivalry, but we get it this year. Bloomington tomorrow, and then Mackey, February 25th. Rob, safe travels down there, and have a blast. Okay, guys, thanks for having me. See ya. Rob Blackman right there on the Payless Liquors hotline. Do you want to know the trivia question that I came up with having nothing to do with IU and Purdue before we get to the pop quiz in 10 minutes? Sure. If either one of you guys gets this right, I will, well, I'll bring in a case of PBR, not just the six-pack. Mark, have you, are Case you or keg? Or a keg for our PBR party. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar in 1984 became the all-time leading scorer in NBA history, surpassing Wilt Chamberlain. Of course, that record is going to fall here in the next week. Uh, Kareem hit a skyhook, patented, to become the all-time leading scorer. But over what mountain of a man, there's a big hint, did he hit the skyhook? There's an IU-Purdue connection to it? No. Is that what you said? No. Oh, no. Mm. Oh. Uh, Ralph Sampson. Good guess. Not the correct one, but a good Nothing guess. Nothing like, anytime you hear yeah. good guess, you're like, well, you're wrong. <laughs> yeah, I thought you that, said it was a Purdue-IU connection. No, yeah, I said right. having I nothing to there. do with Indiana-Purdue, oh, but geez. because we are 10 minutes from the pop quiz. Is that a hint for the pop? I haven't looked at the pop quiz. No. Is that a... No, I just... It popped up. Come on, Mark. Here we got a keg up. on the line. That's right. I believe in you. <laughs> I will tell you this. They were at Utah. Jeez. Greg Ostertag's father? <laughs> Same size as Greg Ostertag. That's why it's impressive, because it's like the biggest player of that era. Mark Eaton is the correct answer, who Mm -hmm. was basically a shot-blocking specialist. So kind of fitting and cool that he would hit the shot over Mark Eaton. Scotty, did you know that? What? Scotty wasn't. (laughs) (laughs) What player did Kareem Abdul-Jabbar break the all-time scoring record by hitting a hook shot over? 
I'm assuming Mark Eaton. <laughs> <laughs> Mark Eaton is indeed the correct answer. Scotty comes in at the end of it. By the way, a couple of people actually texted me and knew that answer. Ryan Robertson knew that. Congratulations. It's kind of it's crazy. Cool. Um, you look at how many minutes Trace Jackson Davis has played. I mean, Jake, remember like the back injury he was going through? Yeah. In December, you look at like 39, 39, You made 40, a really good point. Did he need that time, that rest time? Yeah, that rest time was certainly key for him post-Christmas. But even that Iowa game, that first game back, I mean, he was still favoring it. But he has played nearly 40 minutes in many Big Ten games this year. And Edie, again, he plays a good amount of minutes. 36 seems to be kind of his high. I'm curious, do you see them both go to the bench at the same time? You know, again, it looks like Edie plays around a handful of minutes less than Trace. Do you try to shorten that gap? How do you make up for it if you're Purdue? Uh, just all the inner workings of tomorrow, four o'clock. When I say four o'clock, do we really mean four ten? Probably, right? Duke Carolina six thirty. By the way, I, well, that is so they've staggered that one. The Duke Carolina thing is a little bit absurd, right? I don't know if she wants me to mention this, but Lara Lara Overton. I I guess I I just said it so. Um, Lara said, if I had to take a stab at it, ESPN owns ACC networks. There might be some kind of obligation to Duke Carolina. That's probably true. But I think to myself, Jake, it's not like you make these announcements in late December. At the start of the week, we realized that Purdue's won. I used 21. First time since 94, you've had this sort of matchup within the rivalry. It's on your network. You can go to Duke Carolina at the end of the year. But here's the thing, though. Okay? They're both unranked. If the NBA, but I, I don't know what the next like marquee day is for NBA games, you know, a la Christmas Day. But if the NBA right now, President's Day, okay, like a president, or, you know, or like Dr. King Day matchup, would the NBA rather put on Denver and Milwaukee or Celtics Lakers? I, I, I guess, but like I mean, Denver's the number one team. You know, Milwaukee's second in the, the league. But college game day about like going to different sites and yeah. But I bit do of think a, that I, I I'm with you. I'm just saying I think that from a national standpoint, the especially in today's day, the rivalry of Duke Carolina carries with it a cachet. Yeah, I don't I don't like you carrying the uh, ESPN water there. <laughs> I'm just telling you, you can do it in early March. Freebie Friday for the pop quiz coming up in a few. That question had nothing to do with the pop quiz, you said, Jake? I don't think so, unless Scotty just walked in. So A little variety on today's pop quiz to round things out. Uh, let's hit a morning check down before we get to that. The morning check down brought to you by Ball State Basketball. Get your tickets at BallStateSports.com on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Jake, before we get to the fourth quarter collapse inside of Gamebridge Fieldhouse last night for the Pacers, let's start with the good news right at tip-off. That was Tyrese Halliburton being named an all-star reserve by the Eastern Conference coaches. His first nod to that game. You'll have Buddy Heald in the three-point contest on Friday night of All-Star Weekend. Benedict Matherin and uh, Andrew Nemhard playing in the Rising Stars game on Thursday. That's in Salt Lake City. And then, of course, Halliburton will be in the game on, or maybe I may have got my day, days wrong. Maybe it's Friday, Saturday, and then Sunday for the game. Uh, but nonetheless, a lot of Pacers flavor in this year's All Star game. Here was Halliburton last night on getting that All Star nod. It felt good. It felt good. Um, I don't want to sit up here and sound like arrogant or anything like that. Coming into the day, I just like really felt like I had a good opportunity. I feel like I've had a good opportunity 
for the majority of the year. Um, so uh, I'm just excited that it's official. Uh, I've worked really hard to get here. Um, you know, obviously, I mean, year three would have never expected that I'd be be able to accomplish this in three years in the NBA. Um, but I'm really excited. I just thank my teammates, thank my coaching staff in the front office for believing in me. Um, you know, you don't you don't do this um, alone. It takes a village. So just really excited to go to Utah and you know represent the Inner Pacers. How great that been? He's like, I want to thank my teammates for playing so bad the last two or three weeks <laughs> to show re- how good to, I am to really help my canvas. Let me tell you, he looked like he was a, he looked like Curly Neal out there at times last night. He was sensational. Halliburton with twenty six points did not shoot the ball well in the fourth quarter. But we'll go back to the bingo card this morning. Uh, my buddy at the game said, "Dude, this guy's really good. He's made a huge difference." That guy was Kevin. Do you remember the name? Oh gosh, someone with G fifty seven, something <laughs> Neal or something. Billy Lewis. Billy Lewis. Billy Lewis said, "Man, I'll tell you what, because he." was i mean it billy knows basketball don't get me wrong but it was the difference for that team with halliburton on the floor is that noticeable you know for a guy that's not like overly overly athletic it's amazing how routinely he just gets in the lane and again is a step ahead of everyone didn't shoot it great in the fourth quarter the pacers blow a 15 point lead uh rick carlisle tyrus halliburton afterwards not happy with the officiating while the whistle might not have been the greatest, I would point to a lack of trying to get to the rim. Four shots in the entire quarter. The Pacers attempted in the paint. And your best attacker, Benedict Matherin, on the bench to end that one. Buddy healed off-balance jumper to win the game. Did not go. So that's what, 10 of 11? 11 of 12 they've lost? Yeah, and they, again, tonight, Sacramento, a chance to get back on the right side of things as the Kings... Come to town 7 o'clock at the Fieldhouse. Colts are still looking for a head coach. Word is they may go through a third round of interviews. It is yet to be determined who would be included in that third round, but still no coach. And Kevin, you were saying the possibility does exist. This could go for another at least eight days, right? Yeah, again, Chris Bauer kind of warned this at the beginning of it all, but because the Super Bowl week, the NFL really, really wants teams to not announce these sort of news breakers during that week, so... I don't think you need to coax Chris Ballard in any way, shape, or form. I think he'll happily wait if he wants to. Shane Steichen, the Eagles OC, that interview reportedly going to happen tomorrow before the Eagles head to Arizona for the Super Bowl. If they do like Shane Steichen, they cannot talk to him at all until after the Super Bowl. So they've got this two-day window right now. Once Sunday comes, you can't talk to him again until February 13th. Uh, Joe makes this good point about IU Purdue and the – College game day. He goes, ACC will always win the tie break. The Big Ten broke up with ESPN. Yeah. They may wind up in West Lafayette in a couple weeks. It's a good point. That is a good point. Is that um, an ESPN game in a couple weeks? Well, that's... I know it's a night game. I think it's a 7.30 tip from Mackey. I'm telling you, the, the one... I think these two teams are going to split, but I think the one in Mackey is going to be a little bit more disparity between the two then I, I think Indiana will win but I think it'll be close but I think the one in Mackey that's, an, that's a night game but it's on Fox boy I mean you would think they would not want to do that considering you know TV and all that um, alright it's time for the pop quiz freebie Friday 317-239-1070 give us a ring have you life is so much more than a diagnosis it's about sharing time with those you love hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com 
and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Studied. Can you handle the pressure? Sharpen your pencils. It's time for the Pop Quiz with Kevin and Query. Brought to you by Jiffy Lube, Indiana's favorite oil change since 1985. They do a... Um Tribute video tonight for Demonis Sabonis? It's a good question. Uh, do the Pacers typically do that? I know the Colts do. He would certainly merit it. He was a popular player here. Two-time All-Star. He was your centerpiece of the franchise there for a couple of years. Again, um, no De'Aaron Fox tonight for Sacramento, but Sabonis and company will be here. The Kings a slight favorite in that one. Uh, how about this from Scott? Hey, Jake, LeBron, LeBron might have played longer or scored more, but he doesn't compare to Kareem, Jordan, Russell, Wilt, Magic, Bird, or Oscar. Uh, that's an inaccurate statement. I You can certainly make – I get – LeBron James is undoubtedly one of the top three players in the history of the game. I, you can I, – I personally feel he is the most versatilely skilled player to ever play basketball, but he is going to break the record. Uh, I think it's an uncommon – or excuse me, it's a common misconception in terms of the games he's played. He, he's played in fewer games by a long shot than Kareem. He's played, I think, 105 fewer games than Kareem at the point that Kareem broke the, the record. So I think people refuse to want to f- acknowledge him at the level that you are, Jake, because they think he whines too much. That may be right. I mean, that, that might be right. Um yeah, I, yeah. To to Scotty's point, Scotty said, and Kareem didn't. Yeah, I'm not here to like pretend Here's that the, you know everybody wants. You, you know who whines probably more than anybody is the guy you'll see tonight for the Kings and Sabonis. I mean, yeah. He's always bitching and complaining. You know the other thing about LeBron James that is really remarkable when you think about it, two things, and then we'll get to the pop quiz. Number one, he is going to become the all-time leading scorer in NBA history. And what did we say yesterday? He is in assists fourth yep. all-time so he's not only the leading scorer in the history of the game he is in the top five in facilitating for other people to score and then secondly i love that people say yeah but when jordan played and he went down the lane he had guys like anthony mason and charles oakley waiting on him anthony mason was six seven two forty five lebron six nine two fifty okay I, I don't think that would have bothered lebron james Again, to to span the greatness, Jake, from 2003 to 2023, he's 38 years old. 38. It's the oldest guy on the floor every night, and 98% of the games he plays, he's the best player on the floor. He took, he took, he spent an entire decade in the finals with rosters that were predominantly in the G League once he left. That tells me everything I need to know, but... All right, it is time for the pop quiz. It is Freebie Friday. 317-239-1070. Jake, number one through eight. Uh, we're talking about LeBron, so we'll go number six. Number six would be who, Mark Dykton? Corey. Corey. Fellas. Corey, good to hear from you. Good to hear from you guys. Glad to take the call. I need an oil change. Well, let's go. You, Freebie you, Friday, you Corey. called the right people. One of my favorite people, Corey Zidonis, is, uh, also shares that name. Are you a fan of your first name? Uh, I love it because mine's spelled K-O-R-E-Y, so only Ooh. the cool ones are spelled with a K. 
Wow. That's kind of cool. Isn't there a... R.I.P. to Corey Stringer. Who's the most famous Corey with a, a K spelling? Uh, I, Is there one? That would be really tough. Yeah. yeah Corey, Cor- uh, Corey Stringer, who, who who died. That's right, um, the Viking, right? The NFL. That might be who I'm thinking of. I was thinking of a, a 49er for some reason, like an offensive player. I don't know why. I'll think of it. Why did you your parents go K instead of C? Um, I don't know. My mom always messes with me and said that she thought I was going to be a girl and she was going to name me Karina, but I think that's a bunch of BS, so I'm not really <laughs> sure. Corey, you've called the program before, have you not? Uh, I have called the station before um, many times, but I have not called your guys' show before. Okay, and uh, if you, can we play Get to Know Your Listener? We've had a lot of success with this in market research, right, so right. people love it. Uh, Corey, how old a fella are you? I'm 38, the same age as LeBron, which hmm. is very, very disheartening. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, okay, Similar Corey. accomplishments in life. And <laughs> Corey, LeBron attended Akron St. Vincent St. Mary High School. You, Corey, attended where? Danville Community High School. Let's go. Okay. That's where my dad went, Brad Bowen. You see his pictures up in the hallway at all? Uh, Bowen's don't. I was born and raised in that town, and Bowen's really do not ring a bell. Mm, Did you ever eat at that place um, that has the, any clues you're getting, Corey? What's the name of the baked potato sorry, place man. out there? Dave's All American? You ever eat at Dave's All American? The Mayberry Cafe. Uh, it closed down a couple years ago, I believe. Did it really? Yeah, because okay. uh, he passed away. Oh, okay. Um, all right, Corey, last question for you on our Get to Know segment would be this. If you had the, the opportunity to go to, let's say there's a new pub in the old Dave's location, and they had PBR there, and you could sit and have a PBR and chat, would you pick me or Kevin? That me would be Jake or Kevin would be the one that you'd have the beer with. Well, I love my Colts and I love all the Colts talk that Kevin does but Jake you sound like the real PBR guy so I would probably have to take you Jake <laughs> hell yeah alright which of the two Kevin Kevin looks like he just swallowed a bee all of a sudden uh, which of the two of us would you like to lead you off for question number one well since I think Kevin's gonna chill me on this quiz I'm good with you Jake alright excellent you know plenty of time to enjoy PBR with Jake cause you won't get a word in edgewise <laughs> what the I hell does that mean Corey, That's bring bring your listening ears. All right, go ahead. No wait, now I'd like to you elaborate, Corey. What were you going to say? That's actually what. Well, I was I was going to pick Kevin to start because of the way that Jake asked all the trivia questions, which are sometimes I have ADD and I lose my way halfway through the question. So I was going to pick Kevin, but okay. Since I've already put him down a couple times, I'm just going to go with Jake. All right, here we go. You're going to regret that one. Question number right, one. You ready? Yes, sir. Tyrese Halliburton will play in the NBA All-Star Game in a little over two weeks. Name the last Pacers point guard whose initials happen to be the same as the position that the Indianapolis Colts first ever selected in the NFL draft. Name the last Pacers Jake, point guard to make an ADD. NBA I mean, All-Star team. Your hint. Well, just wait. Mark Jackson, Jamal Tinsley, Vern Fleming, or Don Busey? Um... Uh, Kind of cut out there at the end because Kevin jumped in. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <But it's fantastic. laughs> All right. Which of these guys have initials that is also a football playing position? Mark Jackson, Jamal Tinsley, Vern Fleming, or Don Busey? Uh, Busey. Okay. Kevin? Number two, Corey. Really enjoyed getting to chat with you here on this Friday morning. <laughs> LeBron scored 26 last night against the Pacers, now 62 behind Kareem for the NBA's all-time leading score. Among players who have played this season, who is second to James among active players in career points? 
Is it James Harden, Russell Westbrook, Kevin Durant, or Chris Paul? Ooh, uh, I'm going to say KD. Okay. Question number three for you. Florida Atlantic was knocked off last night by the Blazers of UAB. That halts the Owls' 20-game winning streak. Name the team that now inherits the longest active winning streak in Division I men's college basketball, currently, I mean. Would it be A, Colgate, B, Eastern Washington, C, Randy Bennett's St. Mary's, or D, the Boilermakers of Purdue? Let's go Eastern Washington. All right, number four, Corey, who owns the lock, longest active losing streak in D1 men's hoop? IUPUI, Evansville, Green Bay, or Pepperdine? I'm going to say IUPUI. That's kind, of, son. kind of a tricky one there by Scotty. All right, question number five. Fifteen years ago today, the New York Giants beat the New England Patriots 17-14 in Super Bowl 42. David Tyree's helmet catch was the most memorable moment of the game. But which guy scored the game-winning touchdown four plays later? Later had a weird thigh injury. Yeah, uh, Plaxico Burris, Ahmad Bradshaw, Amani Toomer, or David Tyree himself? I believe that was Plaxico in the corner. Bradshaw scored the game winner here, Scotty, in that Super Bowl. He was trying to go down and like fell in the end zone. All right, Corey, real shame you couldn't go five for five. I was really pulling for you there. Uh, Tyrese Halliburton will play in the NBA All-Star game in a little over two weeks. The last Pacers point guard to make an NBA All-Star team. Don Vichy yeah. in 1977. Uh, Kevin Durant was correct for Brown. question number two. Brown. Indeed, Eastern Washington. Don't they have a red yes. turf for their football field? Do they really? Yes, they do. It's kind of cool. Scotty says yes, they do. Longest active winning streak right now at 13 games. Uh, Plaxico Burris was correct for question number five. Question number four is where things got tripped up. But, Corey, it is a freebie Friday, so stay on the line. But you said IEPUI. They have dropped 11 straight. That is two shy of Green Bay. The Packers Phoenix suck. have lost their teeth. You blew it! Tomorrow, Green Bay and IUPUI. It's the Akron Bowl. You're a complete loser. Let's kick some ass. UWGB and IUPUI to see which one halts the streak. Wasn't Green Bay coached by Tony Bennett? I was thinking recently, like a like a Crean affiliated person. Really. I know Could Tony be Bennett played that. there, and then I think he coached there, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Dick Bennett, I think, had been there yeah. as well. Way back in the day. Boy, that'll be a big one tomorrow. Is that, the, is that at the Coliseum? Yes. Man, place going to be rocking to see who's going <laughs> to get a win. Okay. What? Uh, <laughs> Poor IUPY, and you got to kick them while they're down. Oh, I, I, I am a little bit more pro-jungle than anything. I wish they still played in the jungle. I wish that... I went to George Hill's senior night of the jungle, them against Oral Roberts. Place was packed. It was awesome. Really? Awesome. Filled to the brim. Didn't he leave as a junior? Uh, I guess maybe his final game there. So it was junior night, but senior night because everybody yeah, knew I he was going to I think everyone pro. knew he was going to be a... Wasn't he a first-round draft pick? He was, San Antonio. And yeah, he gives a lot of rocking. credit to Popovich for kind of setting in him the professionalism that has carried him for a long time in his career. Oh, Roberts had a big guy. It was really good. No, he did four years, George Hill. Did he really? 
Yeah. I thought for sure he came out early. Got hurt as a junior, so maybe could have came back for okay. a fifth year, possibly. I thought for sure he came out a year 1,600 early. points. Is Carlos Knox still the leading scorer there? Alex Young, correct. maybe? Scotty, am I correct that Carlos Knox came out a year early? I mean, I guess Kevin's looking at it. I'm seeing George Hill right here. 29 games as a freshman, 29 as a sophomore, 5 as a junior. 32. Then maybe he had as a senior. He might have had a year of eligibility left. Maybe right, that's what right. It was. Yeah, yeah. Getting hurt his junior year. Right. By the way, Link Darner was the former head coach at Green Bay. That's what I'm thinking of. Link, Link Darner. Darner. Okay. All right. Uh, we'll do one final time here. Kevin and Corey. Corey, great effort. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Mark, any reason for that as the final rejoiner of the week? 2-3-23. Michael Jordan Day. Look at that. Mark diked in on his game. No half ass in this final segment of the week. Can no. you can you turn up that, so- that that's the Gatorade commercial song. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It is a, it's a classic. It is a great song. I mean, it's a great commercial, great song. Mm-hmm. It's like takes me back to my happy place, right? Of life at 19 was pretty awesome. So will Michael be there on what are we thinking? Thursday for LeBron to break the record? Thursday against the Bucks? Well, who? Michael Jordan. Well, I would think Kareem would be the one that needs to be there, right? Kareem. I don't know. Sometimes you see like all, yeah, you know, some all of the, the greats. Dignitaries. Yeah, that's when Steph question. broke it, who was it? it? Was Reggie and Ray Allen were both there when Steph? Well, they were doing it, right? Broke the th- three point uh, record. Strangely enough, was Ray Allen doing the game? Ray Allen was there. There was a reason Ray Allen was there, and I can't recall what. But yeah, Reggie was doing the game on on TV. It's so funny because when Reggie Miller broke the three point career record. He passed Dale Ellis, I believe, and I think Dale Ellis might have still been active, so they kind of went back and forth, but like there was zero buzz about it. Yeah. Like, I don't think anybody even was aware that it happened when it happened. Still kind of early in the three-point era, relatively early compared to, of course, now. Uh, so tonight, it'll be the Pacers and Kings. Again, De'Aaron Fox out, personal, I think his wife's pregnant, so um, he will not be playing in that one, but DeMontis Sabonis will be back. Alan pointed out that they did the tribute for Victor Oladipo, so you know, I'd assume Sabonis would fall in line with that. Sabonis and Turner guarding each other? I would think so. It'd be Ke- interesting, right? Keegan Murray and Harrison Barnes, those are the other... Harrison Barnes couple, has been a nice uh, player. King starters? His career. So without um, Darren Fox, the King's going to start, I would assume... Davion Mitchell. I thought he'd be a pretty good pro out of Baylor. He was so good in Baylor's run to the national title. There are so many players in the NBA that one of two things happen when you look out on the floor and then you look at the the roster. You either say to yourself, man, I thought that guy was going to be so good. Or you say, that's where that dude is. I barely remember him playing for a year at Kansas, and he averaged eight a game, and I wondered why he's a lottery pick. Now I know. 
He's out there putting up 21 and 6 a game relatively obscurely, right? You know what I mean? I mean, you'll have some people say that tonight about Trey Lyles, I would think. Yeah, he's kind of found a home there, hasn't he? Coming off the bench for the Kings. Again, they're, they're third third in the West. They've had a great year. Mike Mike Brown coaching them. They're going to end the – is it the longest playoff drought in professional sports? or It's definitely the NBA. The Kings have made some aggressive moves. And when was their last playoff appearance? 19 years, that sound right? Yeah, I mean. Got to go back to what? Peja and Bibby and yeah. Weber and Vlade. Rick Adelman. <laughs> Rick Adelman. Nice call. I always thought that. Like, I Arco, love those Kings teams. Arco Arena and the little. the the. Oh, what are the things they had? The what do you call them? Boomsticks? No, the the, the you ring the cowbells. Oh, no, sure, cowbells. Yeah, the they, Maloof brothers. Remember how big yeah. they were? Yeah. Doug Christie. I feel like him and Kobe always were fighting I told each you, other. My, my buddy Jeff Hester and I in college adopted the Kings as our Western Conference team for the '94 season. We bought the T-shirts that just said Kings basketball. We went to Yogi's in Bloomington with satellite coordinates <laughs> and like to watch the late night Pacific West games. Sixteen, seasons. 16, 16 years. years. We were totally obnoxious Kings fans. People are like, what is going on here? It was great. Tommy Reese going to Alabama, Kevin. Is that official? I'm asking you. Oh. Do you think he's going to? I mean, if Nick Saban's going to bring you down there for an interview, that would seem to indicate. The Alabama plane was in South Bend yesterday, for God's sake. I don't think the Alabama plane has made many stops in South Bend over the years. But yeah, Tommy Reese, Notre Dame's offensive coordinator, reportedly. The lead candidate to take what Bill O'Brien's job, mm-hmm. right? Bill O'Brien yep. went to New England. New England to be the OC. Yeah, I, I know a lot of Notre Dame fans have issues with Tommy Reese. I have none. I think he's a great offensive coordinator. I'd be very disappointed if that happened. But when what Saban wants, he usually gets. Yep. Usually. And you can't say you blame him. So what's going to happen in Bloomington this weekend? I'm fascinated. Just fascinated to see this chapter, and I think the environment will be one of the best. That building is seen in years. Um, you know, I thought about it one of two ways, Jake. I think I use a totally different team inside of that building. They've shot the ball very well as of late in that building. The thing that keeps me coming back to Purdue is just those freshman guards do not play like freshman guards. I know. At some point, they're going to have to, right? I, but theoretically, I mean, we're we're twenty some games into this. I know. You know, they just they. St- the steadiness and the consistency that they play with. And I'll go back to what I said to you earlier. Jake, Purdue has four guys that come off the bench. I mean, think about this. Most teams only go seven or eight deep. Purdue has four dudes that are off the bench that have all scored at least 24 points in a college basketball game. David Jenkins, Mason Gillis, Brandon Newman, Trey Kaufman-Wren. So their supporting cast, if they need eight or ten off the bench, they've got guys that have done that. So and name, I think name those names again. David Jenkins, who yep. obviously is, is the transfer, so okay. he I think he had thirty two in a game, you know, one of his previous right. stops. Brandon Newman, twenty nine, who's kind of been a guy that you knew right. has always had that scoring punch. Obviously Gillis had twenty nine the other night, and earlier this year, Trey Kaufman Wren had twenty four. So you knew who, what two names you didn't mention? Their second leading scorer, right? Right. I mean, and, and they're and they're stabilizing point guard. Right? Yeah, I, I mean, didn't even name the freshman right. guards that have been so consistent, and they've been really good. I mean, really good. I I think Indiana pulls it out, but 
Yeah, I, I I don't want to bet on it, to be honest with you. Yeah, I think that's fair. I, I do think Indiana will win. I, I think they will split this year, and I think each wins at home. I, you, or you could make the argument that each, you know, typically one wins on the other's floor, but I, I think it's going to be tough for Indiana to win at Purdue. But I do think that Indiana's – I think Trace Jackson Davis has the ability to carry Indiana to the win. And again, those minutes when Trace is on the floor and Edie's off the floor, if that becomes like a four or five minute stretch, that could be the difference. I mean, look at the matchups last year. It literally came down to a fantasy jump shot to win that one in Bloomington by three. And then the game in Mackey didn't have the final minute heroics, but it was a two-point game. So I'm just glad the rivalry now means what it meant, Jake, probably for so many of your totally. years growing up. Totally. What do you guys have planned for the weekend other than watching games? Mark? Going uh, to go to the Mascot Hall of Fame today in Whiting, what? Indiana. Are you kidding me? No. Oh my God. We're doing it. Dream. We're doing it. Thank the Lord you didn't Holy tell Jake cow. about that on Monday. We're doing it. Sitting shotgun with you. I know. That's awesome. How did this come about? Wife's Is this covering a- an event. So she's uh, doing something with Indy with kids. So she's like, hey, you want to go? Like, they do it, oh, yeah, I want to go. Are they doing new inductions? I don't know. Jake, have you ever been? No, that's like my dream. I'll send plenty of pictures and videos. <laughs> now that's right. That's like on the water. Do you have to be retired after for five years to get in? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> like, So who would qualify as the first ballot? <laughs> well, the Philly fanatic. Without the, question. The famous chicken. Uh, you obviously have mentioned Rocky before. Rocky is absolutely up there. Probably the Phoenix Gorilla the Phoenix would Gorilla. be up there. Um, uh, how about the rally monkey the Angels used to have? Yeah, that wasn't bad, but he wasn't around long enough. Although he's retired oh, five years, he's well, eligible. That's that's a Barry Sanders, Calvin Johnson type of debate. Might, might have been, uh, you know, I don't know. It might have been a gambling scandal with the rally monkey. I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> it seems to be. That's a talk radio safety net, right? Should the rally monkey be in the Hall of Fame? Save give that us, for July. That'll be right after call. class basketball and <laughs> that's right. Pete Rose. That's right. Uh, well, Mark, safe travels. I'm sure the girls will absolutely. That is awesome. It'll be fun. That. I think. Bring back souvenirs. I will. Uh, <laughs> Mr. Matt, here you go. <laughs> Mr. Mel. Everybody have a great weekend. Safe travels for those going down to Bloomington. We'll talk to you on Monday. Kevin Aquari signing off. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you.